you said it, Chewie. Where did you dig up that old fossil? It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy. And it's about people. It's about... Fine, it's finally about people and not finally about science. The story when you actually put it into words is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept. Uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force that sort of controls our destiny, uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence. Great pace, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang, bang, and people fall over and are dead. But, you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's, a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Hello and welcome back to Generation Skywalker and we are back with Those Old Fossils, the Vintage Star Wars Collecting Chat, Episode 14. I'm joined here tonight with Stu. Evening me old China, you alright? Very well, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, all good mate, all good. Yeah, Perfect. Looking forward to, uh, to delving into Anakin. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> he's, been, uh, he's been evil since the Sith grade, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, I'm here all night. Oh, he's got them all written down, hasn't he? Yeah. And I'm joined by Dan. Good evening, Dan. How are you doing? All good, mate. All good. Awesome. You got no dodgy jokes for us? No, not tonight. Okay. And delighted to welcome back to Generation Skywalker, Mr. Mark Hockley. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, mate. How are you doing? All right? Yeah, very well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, all good. So that's it. The four of us for our special episode 14, where we're going to predominantly be concentrating on the four figures. This R2 unit of yours seems a bit beat up. You want a new one? Not on your life. That little droid and I have been through a lot together. You okay, R2? Good. This is the community podcast that I was after. I am so pleased as I'm now going through everything that we've got coming up. There are nine external presenters on this show. Nine, in addition to the regular three of us. So yeah, Matt George. Matt George talking to us about his Obi-Wan Kenobi collection. It's a fascinating interview. Matt, I appreciate so much of your time coming on. We've got Paul James, Barry Luton, Dave Moore from the Clatorium talking to us about their love of the Clatu figure. Seriously, this will blow your mind. This will change your opinion on Clatu. 
And then we've got help from the variant villains with Mark Andrews, Jamie Acott and Will Mellish talking to us about the intricacies of the different characters, about the different figures. And we've got Ron Salvatore from the Star Wars Collector's Archive to talk to us all about Anakin. Plus, loads of information from Tantive 11 Forum where Clint has really gone to the next level to show us all the different Beyond the Toys things which are available for each of the four characters. This is it, boys. Red Leader, this is Gold Leader. I copy, Gold Leader. We're starting for the target shaft now. We're in position. I'm going to cut across the axis and try and draw their fire. Four-figure focus. That time when we're going to be focusing on four figures from the original range. We're going to be doing this once a month. Four figures of the 96. It's going to be epic. It's going to take us two whole years to go through it. We're going to have one from near the beginning of the range, two from kind of round about in the middle-ish, and one towards the end of the range, just to try and keep it nice and sort of uniform-ish and to give us a real good mix. We announced what figures we were going to use just a couple of weeks ago. And we are, this month, going to be covering Obi-Wan Kenobi. We're going to be covering Dengar, Klaatu, the old peg warmer, and Anakin. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Baby, let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about Ben Kenobi. Let's talk about Ben Kenobi. Let's talk about Obi-Wan. Let's talk about Ben Kenobi. Let's talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. I think my uncle knows him. He said he was dead. Oh, he's not dead. Not yet. Well, you know him. Well, of course I know him. He's me. I haven't gone by the name of Obi-Wan since all before you were born. Well, then the droid does belong to you. Don't seem to remember ever owning a drawing. Very interesting. So the first figure released as part of the first 12 line, Obi-Wan Kenobi. The first 12 came out on Kenner, Palatoy, Kenner Canada, Meccano, Leddy, General Mills, Clipper, Harbert, Takara, gorgeous PBP. Around about the 65 back, or at the 65 back, it, like so many of the others, if you think about Chewie and Vader and Han and Luke, they decided to change from the original card art. But there was one specific thing with regards to the original card art. What colour sabres it got? Stu? Yellow. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I asked the question, then I said Stu. Yep, yellow sabre, although he's holding a blue one as an action figure. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, they, they do they do correct that, don't they? Come the Jedi line. Yeah, so as we get to the 65 and, the, and they do change the card art, it does get changed to a blue. Yeah, very interesting. Okay. Have you seen what's wrong with that photo, though? Go ahead. Okay, look at his hands. And you've got him in front of you. Look at the hands in that photo. Look at Obi-Wan's hands and how terribly airbrushed they are. It looks horrendous on that card. Doesn't, on first 
kind of glance you don't notice it if you look closely it's all very strange and blurry you're just gonna get me to bring it up now right oh yeah i've got a picture now dan you've ruined that for me you're absolutely right his hand looks shocking i had never never noticed that before have you seen that Stu? have you seen that yeah i've just got it up now i've never really noticed that is it just blurry because it's right at the edge of the card oh no it's, no, it's not i've got it i wear this because i'm looking at the power of the force rather than the um yeah it's really obvious on the on the tri logo i don't know if you go to the tri logo because i've kind of got his arm because of the yellow where his name is his arm looks even more kind of lit up don't know if you can open the Trilogo version of it up. So it's even more prominent than on the Jedi card. Yeah, it looks... Yeah. Do you know what it reminds me of? It looks more like the drawing hand of Anakin when Anakin's face on his card. It's more of that style. Yeah. yeah. It's like a mannequin's hand that they've just plonked in there and, yeah, almost plastic. <laughs> I've never noticed that before. Oh, that's annoying. Right. Yeah, good spot, Dan. Now, whilst we've spoken about sabres and sabre colours, what other line produced an Obi-Wan Kenobi figure, vintage-wise? The 12-inch. Yeah, which came with what colour sabre? Yellow. Mm, indeed. I had the pleasure of recording the other night with Matt George, who has got an incredible Obi-Wan Kenobi collection, and he's going to talk us through that and actually... Talk us through why he thinks there were some lightsaber exchanges and lightsaber swappages going on. So we'll just cut over to that interview now, which was fascinating. Hello there. Come here, my little friend. Don't be afraid. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon. Is it still afternoon over there? Yes, I guess it is early evening. Yeah, it's early evening. But uh, good afternoon to you. I believe, yeah, it's around about half past one in the afternoon, isn't it? On a Friday. So I always love talking to people with really cool British accents. It's so much, <laughs> so much of a change of pace from over here. You're too kind. It's very warm and, and soothing, and it's it's got like a, yeah, I, I feel very uh, welcome. So oh. always glad, glad to join you, Jez. Well, that's very kind of you to say so. In fact, I was just listening to a couple of episodes, podcast episodes you were in earlier on. So you're, um, yeah, you're not a stranger. It was episode 16 of the Vintage Rebellion. You were on with uh, Rumble in the Internet Jungle. And then you also came back again on episode 58 when you were um, promoting your new book, your new venture, the um, Engineering and Empire book. Which uh, Right, right, right. That. Yeah, more on that later, I, I hope. But Matt, you are quite clearly a lifelong Star Wars fan, collector. By all accounts, you've got a good sense of smell and you're a huge Chandler Bing <laughs> fan. Is that correct? I see someone's been stalking my Instagram. Uh, <laughs> yes, all true. All true. Excellent. Okay, cool. More on that. But it does say that, yep, you're into First 21 pre-production, uh, First 21 first shots, Indiana Jones collecting, Ninja Turtles collecting... And uh, you also had a bit of a passion for a certain Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ah, guilty as charged on all, on all the accounts there above. <laughs> so Obi-Wan, why? What, why that particular figure? 
So the first figures I ever got was uh, in the summer of 1980, and I was three years old, and um, the first figure I got was R2D2 and then a Chewbacca, and they all came on the they both came on the 32 back, and so I used that R2D2 card back as kind of my okay I got to go out and get all these. It's the one that I slashed through as I got each one and. And um, every time I would go up to visit my grandmother and my great aunt who lived next door to her, they would each get me a Star Wars figure. And so I would cross them off dutifully off the list, you know, on that card back that I got. And then the last one that that I didn't check off was Obi-Wan. And every every other figure had a line through it. And then I got down to Obi-Wan and had it circled. And for whatever reason, that image just kind of emblazoned in my brain somewhere. And... I've always been kind of uh, since the very beginning tracking down Obi-Wans and that's how it really started. And then um, I I didn't have like a character focus uh, until about, I don't know, 20 mid 2010s. So it's been about five or six years, something like that, that I really started actively trying to add to it. But um, I've always been kind of tracking down Ben's, but not in a focused kind of way until uh, until most uh, about six or seven years ago. Brilliant. Thank you for that. So if we go back to the beginning, and I know that the incredible work which you've done is um, one of the sort of joint authors with the Engineering Empire book, you would have done a lot of, a lot of sort of correspondence and back and forth with the kind of sculptors, the designers, and the name Rick Hughes pops up. Mm-hmm. Can you just explain a little bit of the um, backstory? Because you're sharing information, you put some information, some paperwork also on Instagram, which we'll mention later on. But who sculpted Ben? So the very first eight figures that were sculpted, it's you know not, not nine or 12, but it, the, there were first eight that were sculpted. It's basically the first 12 except for R2-D2, which he was created out of wood, so he was patterned. Um, and then... Uh, Death Squad, Commander, Jawa, and Sand People were, were later on. So initially there were the eight core figures that were in need of um, sculpting. And so because time was the uh, of the essence and Kenner only had you know, one or two people in-house at that time in sculpting that was actually doing the sculpting work, the head of sculpting at the time was John, John Gardner, who came from Mattel. So he used a lot of his former Mattel um, associates from back in, in the day. Uh, to help him out get started with these initial eight sculpts. Um, Rick Hughes was one of those few in-house Kenner people that um, worked as a sculptor, and you know, he sculpted Chewbacca from the beginning until uh, until it was completed. But Ben Kenobi and Han Solo were originally outsourced to a guy out of California named Armando Baeza, and... I think he at first started working on the Han Solo figure and then midway through him, you know, trying to get Han and and Obi-Wan done, they told him to send whatever he had done for Obi-Wan back to Kenner. And at that point, Rick Hughes kind of picked up where he left off. And Rick Hughes is the one that wound up finishing the, the uh, Kenobi sculpt. And as a, uh, you know, part of our efforts on the book, uh, we, you know, we spoke to Rick Hughes, went up to visit him at his house a couple different times, you know, got to know him really well. Tremendous guy. And um, he had saved a lot of the artifacts from 
from back in his Kenner days. And unfortunately, he didn't have any of the uh, Obi-Wan, you know, none of the, you know, a sculpt or a casting or uh, a hard copy part of of, uh, Obi-Wan, unfortunately. But, you know, he did provide us with a lot of really good information that that, um, that went into the book and, and his chapter. Fantastic. And I believe that there's a nice little touch as well with regards to your childhood figure. Yes. And, uh, you know, what's funny is uh, Gary and Stephen, who were the guys that worked on the book with me, we all went up to see him and we've kind of all got our favorite figures. You know, mine, obviously Ben and and Gary's favorite figures, Chewbacca and Stephen's favorite figures, Boba Fett. And, you know, coincidentally, um, Rick Hughes sculpted all three of those figures. So we each brought, you know, an example of uh, one of those figures to him to autograph. And I you know, brought my childhood Obi-Wan, the one that was so hard to track down um, up to him and, you know, had him autograph the back of it. So I've got that sitting in my uh, Kobe, uh, Kenobi display in my in my cabinet. And I really like it. It's one of my favorite pieces. Oh, outstanding. And how, how do you think he felt about that? I'm sure he thought it was weird that <laughs> here are three grown men coming in and want to talk about stuff I did, you know, 40 some odd years ago. And, but I think he was, you know, partly flattered. I'm sure yeah. that, you know, the, all the, the work and effort that he put into, into his time at Kenner and in the toy business was appreciated by someone because, um, you know, a lot of these guys kind of toiled in anonymity over the years. And I think a lot of them are, are lotting, uh, you know, appreciating that their names are out there now for folks to, to, you know, to take an interest in and and show appreciation for. Yeah, absolutely, an opportunity for them to reminisce as well, which is which is really really cool. Moving on from that, and if we think about when this first came out, you know, let, let let's talk about DTs, the DT saber. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've I've owned a number of them over the years. I currently, you know, still have, I don't even know how many, but multiple examples of them. Yeah, it's it. People have always wondered if Ben was originally supposed to get the yellow saber because, I mean, just in the I think the, the twelve inch figure has the yellow, the card back on the twelve back and you know subsequent card backs has the yellow. Um, the the Luke, I, you know, I, I my gut says Luke was supposed to have a blue one and Ben was supposed to have the yellow, but mm-hmm. the yellow was ready to go sooner than the blue for whatever reason the construction of the blue seems to be a whole lot more brittle than the other ones when you look at just how the how many have turned up over the years the bends are usually in the 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 smaller numbers and they usually um, are much more brittle and, and crack more easily than the other ones whether they were made with a different consistency of nylon plastic back in the day i don't know um but it, we just somehow ended up with uh, with Luke getting the yellow and and Ben getting the blue. Now, the reason why the DT was canceled was it did not pass the safety pull tests. So you've, you, you've I'm sure, heard of head pull tests that Kenner would do where they would take a, uh, a head and put it on the, the torso and, you know, apply varying degrees of weight to it to see if uh, it would uh, not pull off. And that that test was done basically to simulate what a child would do if he was pulling on it. And with, you know, an average amount of force being applied, would it come off? And for what, you know, the, for obvious reasons, the DT, the, uh, the inner part did not uh, hold up to that pull test. So 
that was the reason why it was was canceled and went uh, to a single construction, you know, the, the single telescoping version. All right, brilliant. Okay, thank you. Now going back to the the color swap, you said you know going with your gut. You think it was meant to come out that way, but the uh, it was. Just, did you say that the uh, yellow was ready before the uh, blue, hence the early bird kit, I guess, and then yeah. it was able to get produced, and and it works absolutely. You know, you look at the card backs, and as you said, the Ben had the yellow right up to the 65. I think it was up to the 48C. It, it had the sort of traditional face into the left with the yellow saber. Mm -hmm. But now, if you were to swap them around and put a yellow with Ben and a blue with Luke, just Luke in particular, it just looks wrong, doesn't it? It just looks weird. It really does. <laughs> it, does it does look weird. And, you know, a, n a number of Bens um, have turned up over the years from, uh, from Kenner sources with a yellow lightsaber. And, you know, I, I've owned one or two um, that have turned up like that. And I think someone just posted one the other day that, that they just, uh, I think it was over in the UK. Someone like, drove, drove almost the entire length of the, the big island to go get it. Um, so that was pretty cool to see. But, yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of a lot of evidence out there that, that would suggest that Ben was originally supposed to have the yellow. It's just I've never seen, like, a document from Kenner internally that said, Hey, here's the switch. This is why we're making it. Um, I think it's just, it's all conjecture up to this point, but you know, there's a lot of context clues out there for sure. Okay. Thank you. So yeah, that's the DT, but before that process, you collect pre-production. So you collect first shots, pre-production of, of the first 21, but going to Obi-Wan Kenobi, you sent me a photograph of the infamous first shot pair, and then there's a before and after. Would you be able to just explain about that, please? Uh, about the f a first shot? Uh, well, yeah, about the first shot would be absolutely brilliant, but there was a particular pair, wasn't there, which I think it was the Ben and a Vader? Yes. Yeah, very infamous auction from the 90s. I want to say like mid-90s, 94, I think. It was a while back, but um, it was a... Darth Vader and Ben Kenobi, the, each of them were first shots. I think the Vader was uh, a mushroom tip DT, and it was featured in a lot of the early marketing and and displays. And I think that one's you know in a a very well known Ben or a Vader collector's collection. Um, I'll let you figure out who. Um, but then uh, you know adjacent to it in that same auction was a first shot Ben Kenobi. Um, it had a production uh, double telescoping saber, and it had the um, the smooth cape. And the DT Ben comes with a different cape than a, than a single telescoping Ben. Um, you get a traditional kind of that zip pattern on the normal capes, but the uh, the DT cape was smooth. Um, so it had one of those capes. Um, it didn't have one of those dark brown capes, which you see uh, show up every now and then. But I was lucky enough to add that that Ben from that 90s auction to my collection a number of years ago. Um, I'm still trying to kind of screen match it to some, some advertising. Haven't been able to yet. Um, so I'm not sure if that was used anywhere or not, uh, like, the, like the Vader was. But, you know, regardless, first shot Ben's just don't come out too much. And um, I'm fortunate enough to get it. And, you know, it's probably my favorite 3D piece in my Ben run. 
Yeah, so you've got that one. Thank you for that. So first shot being, if you could just explain the sort of process of the first shot with regards to production figures. Sure. We were talking about Instagram earlier. I just made an Instagram post about the first shot uh, today. Um, if you want to head over to geeks underscore antiques, uh, hit me up on Instagram and read about it more in detail. But a uh, quick summary is um, a first shot is basically the first time that plastic is injected into the steel molds, the production molds. And a lot of times you'll see first shots in these crazy colors. Um, and that's because the, the factories will use whatever plastic is available at, at the moment just to create these. And the reason they're created was to make sure that the final product, the production product looks exactly like the, the, the makers and then the, the licensors intend them to look. Um, so they'll send those over and, and, you know, they'll go through inspection and make sure that, you know, all the different areas of the, of the company have to sign off on them and have to go through all the tests and, and, um, yeah, so that's what the first shots are. Often they don't have dates on them. Um, and the Star Wars, a lot of the early first shots you'll see um, are not in the crazy colors because I think they were a little pressed for time. So they got um, as close to production quality um, plastic and, 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 and production accurate plastic, uh, color of plastic to use just because they would needed to speed the process up because they were kind of behind the eight ball. They didn't have time to, you know, go back and forth on, a, on an extra round of, um, you know, making sure that these are the right colors. So they shot a lot of those early ones in the, the production accurate colors. Um, so those uh, oftentimes do not have dates because these, uh, these are brand new uh, production tools. So they'll n hold off on putting the kind of engraving the legal info into them until they're signed off on and they're how they want to look in the end. Um, so once they've got that approval, they'll add the, they'll engrave the, the copyright and the, you know, the, the country of origin information into the molds, and then they'll start, you know, shooting the the production runs. Brilliant. Thank you so for that. that is, yeah. For, for the, for the Ben character, um, the sculpt, the wax sculpt has not turned up. And a lot of the, the early first 12 were repurposed into subsequent wax sculpts later on. Um, so like Luke, for instance, the Luke original wax was repurposed into Luke Bespin. And so that Luke original farm boy, whatever you want to call him, that wax sculpt does not exist anymore. And, um, that's the case for a lot of those early. Yeah. Like the, I think the Han and, and Leia were repurposed into the 31 backs and I don't know if Ben was repurposed in anybody else. I don't know if it would make sense to repurpose that. Um, I don't think he looks, you know, unless it was like Anakin or somebody like that, mm. but I don't think so. Um, so hopefully it's still out there one day and it turns up because, my God, that would be a sight to see. Um, and then no hard copies, which is kind of the second stage of production, exist for the Ben figure. So um, as far as the earliest known Ben figures go, the the first shots are those. So that that's why I hold them in a, kind of such high esteem is because if you're a, a history buff like I am, you like the earliest possible items, and and it, for first twelve, it usually doesn't get any earlier than a first shot. Oh, fantastic! Well, congratulations on that. And just whilst we're talking about that little chap, you've had him graded, 
and I noticed uh, one on grading, he's popped his collar. Is that correct? He's now collars <laughs> up rather than collars down. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's trying to maintain his uh, stealth-like appearance on um, on Tatooine. He wanted to uh, make sure to not draw any extra attention to him, so he's going incognito. <laughs> Absolutely, no, it looks brilliant. It, it really, it really is good. And from a, again, the sort of pre-production side of it, I know that you had a very good Star Wars celebration this year because you brought back a particular, uh, a rather special proof. Now. People know about proof cards and, and rarity, etc. I own one. I've got a revenge one, but in comparison to what you've got, the revenge one is absolutely ten a penny. Would you mind being able to um, share what you've just brought back from celebration? Because I have never seen one of these before. Yeah, no problem. Two D pre-production for Ben is notoriously hard to find, especially in the first movie. Um, I think of all the characters, there's been less of Ben turn up than any of the other 12-back characters. I, th- I want to say Jawa is also, um, in terms of like what has shown up, there are there's more examples of Jawa items. But when you look at like photo art, chromo, and proof on 12-back 20 and 21, I think there's only been like three examples of each of those um are three examples across all of those different 2D types of pre-production to turn up for those two characters. But Ben, like I, I, I think that there's fewer total numbers of Ben 2D pre-production items for Star Wars out there than any character. So turning one up is, is really tough. And I had a opportunity to buy one. Uh, a, it was a, it's a blank back proof with four square corners. I'll go into that in a little bit more detail here in a second, but I had the opportunity to buy one of those um, several years ago, and it just I was working on another big purchase at the time and just didn't work out. Um, always regretted it because, I mean, those things just don't come up very much. Um, before celebration, I was actually going to reach out to the guy that bought that item a number of years ago because that's really the only item I wanted to add at, at celebration was a, a 2D bend something or other. I thought better of it and didn't want to bother him because, you know, he's he's not really active on Messenger. And I just would, I would ask him if I saw him out there. Well, we got out there and um, this was, I think, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday before. So uh, before the show started and the uh, Arizona guys posted that they're in their room with uh, room sale stuff ready to go. And so I headed up there and and uh, literally the first piece that I saw was this Ben blank back proof. And I asked him, Oh my gosh, is you going to sell this? It's like, yeah, I brought, you know, I brought it here specifically to show you, I, you know, you I had you in mind when I wanted to sell it and, uh, hopefully you're interested. And we came to it a deal right there. So, um, lucky enough to add that piece. And I'll, uh, as far as like what it is, um, so for Ben, all the different elements from the first movie that you could possibly get would be card art, so this is the, fo- the the original photo art of what would appeared uh, what would have appeared on the the card back. Uh, for Ben, that piece is not turned up. Um, I think a lot of the first twelve card art has turned up. If you look at Matthias's book, A New Proof, it goes into yeah. a really good detail on like what all is turned up for these different characters. Um, but it's the 
a 12 back chromalin has turned up for Ben. I don't know where that is. Um, who's got it, but that piece exists. And then the, and then these blank backs exist, but the a regular looking 12 back kind, kind of common proof is what is they're referred to. That looks more like a card back. Like it's got a, it's got a 12 back back. It's got, um, two rounded corners at the top instead of four round uh, four square corners. Um, but a Ben proof does not exist in that type. And then a 20 back proof does not exist or a 21 back proof does not exist. I think a 20 back Chrome one for Ben exists. So there's really only three things for Ben from the first movie that have turned up uh, 20 back and 12 back Chrome one. And then these blank back proofs. So what the blank back proofs are, they're thought to have been like the earliest proof that um, that they did. It's on a much thinner cardstock, so it's probably was printed on I don't know paper that they probably had there in excess and just needed something to to um, have internally to look at for mock-ups and and deciding um, you know what elements they wanted to leave in and take out, etc. So. Um, when you look at it like from the side, you can tell that it's just a much thinner cardstock than uh, than traditional card backs and other types of proofs that have shown up over the years. Um, there's no hole punch, so there's not even an outline of a hole punch. Um, it's just just the card art and the um, the design elements of the front. Um, and I think there's been two of most characters that have turned up. Some characters I think are only one. And there might be one or two characters where three examples have turned up. But um, for the most part, these are extremely hard to find, as are pretty much anything 2D related to the first 12. I'm looking at it now. It's fantastic. You've got a light shining from the other side. And, yeah, you can see it's almost completely transparent from that point of view. The other one is in a black hole collection, and it's not ever coming out. So this was really my only chance to ever kind of get this piece again and just really, you know, uh, Tim Eckholt was the guy that sold it to me. He has a tremendous 2d collection. So I, I just really kind of humbled that he thought of me and, and we were able to do that deal. Your heart must've just leaked when you saw that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, because you know, I still had it in my head that I was going to call him to see if he would bring those out there so we could do the deal. So I didn't know if, like, in a, uh, a drunken stupor, I had called him uh, ahead of time to bring it out there, but uh, he, he uh, assured me that that uh, he just brought them out of his own volition and uh, just kind of a serendipitous thing to, to happen literally before the show even started. So um, always remember how kind of the, how the the um, that piece came to be in my collection. Fantastic. That is awesome. And what a pairing with your first shot as well. But as soon as he saw it, you just went, hello there. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) I I missed out on that opportunity. I definitely should have taken that advantage. (laughs) So, I mean, it's incredible. Some of the pre-production stuff, which you have, it really, really is. Moving away from that, then regular carded figures, and you know, be it the Kenner, be it the, uh, Canada, be it the Meccano, be it, we'll talk about Harberts and Meccanos in a minute, but Trilogos, Palatoys, are you someone who collects all 
or, or is it predominantly Kenna? I'm trying to get one of every example of Ben on card from around the world. So I've got, I've got, uh, I don't know, probably about half of what's out there and it's, they really don't pop up too much these days. Um, I know the square card Meccano's is Ben and Jawa are the two most common. Um, so I've got one of those, um, I've got a Harbor that, that was on, uh, the reason I, I got the Harbor piece was it was on eBay and it looked like it was a double telescoping lightsaber. And so I was not quite sure how that, how that would have, uh, come about, but I needed a Harbor anyway, and it was at a good price. So I, I pulled the trigger and, um, just unfortunately the tip had fallen off of the saber and it wasn't a DT. Um, but anyway, I, I've got a Harbert and then, um, I've, I've got like a Kenner Canada and uh Lily Letty. I need a 12 back Meccano. Um, let's see what else do I need. I don't know. There's so many I need. I, yeah, but I'm actively trying to get them, but they just, they don't ever show up. So, um, I don't actively add to it much anymore just because of, uh, you know, scarcity of what comes to the market. Sure. And it certainly appears that rim sales may well be the way to go. I mean, I, when I looked at Tracker, it's, it showed me, I think there had been one Harbour 12A um, sold, and that was on Vectis. It didn't mention one from eBay, actually. It just said that there had been one from Vectis, I think, in the last 10 years. So again, particularly hard to find. Okay. Now, Ben also shares a three-pack with my favorite Luke X-Wing and Han Solo, the hero set. You got one yes. of those? Luckily, I do. Um, Very nice. I, that was a, pan, a pandemic purchase. I actually worked out a pretty big uh, trade with a, a collector out west, and um, as part of the trade, I was able to acquire that piece. So um, that's the first three-pack I've, I've ever owned. Yeah, I never really dipped my toe into three packs, but you know, obviously happy to get that piece for sure. Yeah, I understand it. I love them. I've got the one. I've got the uh, creature. Yeah, I always get confused if it's the creature or the cantina because they're the creatures from the cantina. But there we go. Yeah, that's mine. But yeah, your hero <laughs> set. That's uh, a real lovely one. As is, I've been going through a few of your other things on Instagram, and you, and you shared some photos with me. So you've got a mock. Uh, um, a boxed model trim. So you've got the bootleg, the, the model trim. Very nice. Yeah, those are really tough. Like I think someone just put one up for sale not too long ago, and that that one's the only one, only other one I've ever seen that's got the box and is complete. So they're yes. really tough. So when you say complete, I mean, so this model trim, Brazilian model trim bootleg, um, before Glassleet had the license, now, you, you said complete, so d- does this come with a lightsaber? He comes with a, uh, a yellow, again, it's yellow, lightsaber that is just a, it's often broke off because it's it's thin and long and, and you know, I, I've seen a number of examples with them bent or the paints come off or it's completely broken off. Um, so lucky enough to have the, uh, an intact lightsaber, even more lucky that it's got a, you know, a mint cape on it still. So um, better yet, cherry on top is it's got the box. Yeah. So that's, uh, it, it's it's really tough to find one that's got 
you know, this complete robe, saber, and with the with the box. Oh, yeah, once again, I'm finding every other word I'm saying is congratulations tonight because, yeah, you've got some choice pieces you really, really have. And along with all of those, you've got a few QC samples as well, haven't you? So you've got, um, yeah, you've got, I've definitely seen the quality control uh, Return of a Jedi carded figure. Yeah, so one of the really more interesting finds that we had on our, um, the, the in making the book was, um, we visited with one of the guys that was really high up in the, the testing department. So um, Carl Wojohn and this guy, Tim Pine, uh, basically wrote the book on children's toy safety. And a lot of those same kind of rules and, and regulations they had there and put there at Kenner have been adopted all over the toy industry, not only in this country, but around the world. Um, so talking to him, uh, Tim, speaking of, was... Uh, very uh, informative and you know he he saved a bunch of um, paperwork from you know testing and, and kind of the, the the processes he put in place but one of the things that he also saved was a bunch of the QC samples and the Ben that I've got the QC sample is a 12a with the skew footer and it's got the sign off from the cater factory and the, the interesting thing about this find was there were a number of these QC sign-offs that we found. Um, some were from Cater and some were from Unitoy or the Universal Toy Company. The ones that came from Cater all had a skew footer. The ones that came from Unitoy did not have a skew footer. Um, so that led us to believe that the skew footers came out of the Cater factory and then the the 12 backs out of the Unitoy factory did not have skew footers. So um, I'm comfortable in, in saying that I think the skew footers all originated from the, from the one factory there. All right. Okay. Brilliant. But have to get that, you know, from these, from, from source is, uh, is pretty compelling evidence as well, isn't it? For you to be able to gather that information and, and come to the conclusions, which you've done through the crafting of your book. Oh, it's brilliant. Really is good. Moving away from carded figures, I know that you know you've got a vast collection, collecting all sorts of stuff. What about beyond the toys? I mean, you know, could I tempt you with some bubble bath or a pencil case? Where does your limit of, of Ben Kenobi extend to? Well, now that the you know the prequels and now the Disney Plus material is out, um, I mean Kenobi's in all of that, so <laughs> I've got to draw the line somewhere. And so um, I'm just kind of drawing the line at um, old man Ben. So uh, a lot of the prequel era stuff and um, those types of things I've got examples of, but I, you know, I'm not actively adding to those anymore. Um, and then on the kind of the old Ben side, um, I'll get pretty much anything with, with old Ben in it. It doesn't really matter what it is. Um, I'll collect it. I do mainly stick towards toys and that's where most of my money goes. But, you know, if, uh, an old school Ben movie prop comes up, I would definitely not shy away from getting that. And, um, a lot of the ephemera and, and that type of stuff I would definitely get. Um, you know, the greeting cards, I think someone, uh, had the original 
greeting card artwork that was on auction. And I was a player on that too. Unfortunately didn't win it, but, um, it's, it's, there's really no end to what I, what I would get if, as long as it's kind of that, um, Allegheny's been for lack of a better term, I guess. I'm going to share with you a picture now. Ian Trussler shared a picture earlier on on the We Are Generation Skywalker Facebook page. Seen as Ben Kenobi is one of your four figures featured on the next podcast, I thought I would share my latest project I've just finished, a kit-bashed Kenner prototype Ben Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, I saw that. So, <laughs> so um, you, yeah, let me just... I, uh... Yeah, a buddy of mine, you know, Ward, Stephen Ward, who, you know, did the book with me. Um, he likes making custom figures and he made me a custom Fisher Price Ben, um, right. like the mock ups. So I've got like one of those sitting in my cabinet. And <laughs> then I saw that post pop up online and um, I was like, holy cow, that's awesome. Yeah, it really is good. I thought that. you'd like that. Love it. I hope the real one turns up one of these days. It seems like that would have been something that someone would have saved somewhere. Mm. You never know. I mean, I was going to say what's left for you, you know, hard copy, wax, who knows, kit bashed. I keep my fingers crossed because I think there is a, a trifecta of pre-production excellence in your in your collection and you're just waiting for that last piece, aren't you? Um, it, it, it's incredible what you've got. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, they, there's there. Uh, I think there will always be holy grails out there um, for Ben because, you know, there's like the the wax piece, the hard copy. Um, you've got the photo art. Um, there are uh, carded DT. Just just uh, for that character, there is not a shortage of holy grail items to go out there and try to track down which is great because, you know, for a lot of the, a lot of the characters, you know, everything's already turned up and, you know, there's, there's not a lot of uh, big major grails out there to, to go track down. So I kind of looked out there. Yeah. Now you've done well, buddy. I just like to uh, close with the book. So engineering an empire, this was your project, which took about three years from sort of concept to, uh, production with Gary Bullbridge, Stephen Ward, yourself, and it was designed by uh, Chan Sanderson. So four of you working together on this. Now in 2019, you said, yeah, you know, there was so much work involved. It's it like a 400 page book, hard copy, collector's edition, really, really done well. And you did say in 2019, obviously this was pre-pandemic, but you said there's enough information out there for a second book. There's enough information for volume two. This last one's taken us three years. We're hoping that we've learned along the way and maybe the next one won't take three years. It's 2022, Matt. Tell me what's going on with volume two. Now, we are actively working on it. Um, the reason we said there's going to be enough material for a second volume was because we had... Um, we had to draw the line somewhere on the first volume just because we had so much info. Um, but, you know, we had interviewed folks for the, for the series um, for that for kind of that during that first three years of when we were doing the first book that just didn't make it into the first book because, you know, 400 pages was, was kind of what our cap was. Um, 
but yeah, the, the pandemic, you know, I was, I was flying out to, to meet folks all the time. Um, for the first book, you know, Gary would fly out too, and Ward, you know, we'd meet up sometimes and all three kind of tag team. And, um, you know, we haven't done a trip together in, uh, you know, since I think it was February, 2020. Um, but we're slowly starting to get back out there. Um, I go to Cincinnati about once a quarter to talk to folks. And uh, there's a the annual convention um, is up in New York. And I'm going to stay a little bit longer uh, to go talk to some some folks that worked at uh, Kenner and Hasbro that are still up in the Northeast. Uh, so some that we're still working on, uh, for sure. It's just the, the pandemic, you know, set us back a couple of years. Yeah, but... There's going to be a lot of people looking forward to that, though. But for the time being, for those people who haven't seen it, it's engineeringandempirebook.com, and uh, and you can check it out and order your book online. So um, Absolutely. You already mentioned it earlier on, how people can see you, how they can uh, see what you've been sharing, and you have been very good at sharing some stuff online at geeks underscore antiques. So geeks underscore antiques on Instagram. Well, you've got a really good following and a, and a good number of uh, images shared. Anywhere else people can see you? Is there any sort of normal online hangouts or any particular face group, Facebook groups? Uh, well, you know, geeks underscore antiques on Instagram. Um, on Facebook, you can find our our page at facebook.com slash engineering and empire book. Um, you, you mentioned engineering and empire book.com is the website. Um, you can catch me, you know, obviously at the Instagram page, but on Facebook, I'm facebook.com slash matt.george. Um, shoot me a friend request. Um, as far as the, the groups, um, you know, the, to me, the best star Wars group is the, kind of the, the timeline group. So the, the 12 back group, um, they're starting to really get kind of get back in the swing of things here over the last couple of years as we're coming out of the pandemic and they've, uh, there hasn't been as, as much activity on that page, but it's, the admins are, are putting together some, some interesting ways to get people to, to engage again, kind of with that, with that group. That's really how a lot of the people on Facebook really first met was in that timeline group. So, um, you know, definitely encourage you to, to join that group, um, if you uh, are already, if you're not already a part of that group, because what they're doing now is kind of every month they're taking a different character and um, encouraging people to to add articles or or you know make posts talking about a specific character of the month. I think this month is Darth Vader, and last month was obviously Kenobi with the show coming out. So not sure who it's going to be next month, but. Um, what you can be sure of is, you know, knowledgeable folks are going to be posting a lot about that character. So if you want to follow along, just uh, hit them up on Facebook. Star Wars 12 Backs and Early Vintage Collectors Group. Perfect. And then obviously Generation Skywalker. <laughs> you know it. Matt, thank you so much. It's been my absolute pleasure chatting with you tonight. Uh, the time has flown by. It really, really has. I really appreciate your time. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. You guys are always a blast to talk to. And if you need anything else between now and the time you hit publish, uh, please don't hesitate to hit me up. Mate, you're an absolute legend and a scholar. Thank you ever so much. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. Remember, 
force will be with you, always. So there we go, Matt George and his incredible collection. Matt, thanks ever so much. That was brilliant. Hey Jez, it's Mark here from Variant Villains and I'm joined by... Uh, Will from Variant Villains and also Jamie from Variant Villains. Hello boys. Alright, uh, tonight uh, Jez has asked us to come along and chat Variants for a little bit, which is great because normally whenever you know I hear people talking about Variants on the podcasts, you know, the various ones, you, kind of, you can kind of feel your palms get sweaty because you just know that unless you're actually, uh, you, you follow them and you're into them, it's just one of those corners of the hobbies that people get a, a bit nervous about and they misunderstand the whole thing. So, yeah, we're hoping to come on tonight. We're not going to get into the, the weeds about, you know, sculpt details and all that. No, this is not what this is about. We're going to talk just a little bit about the, the, the broad sort of range of variants, the key ones for the characters that Jez has selected out, which in this case, we've got, uh, we've got three great figures to talk about and one not so great one. A lot of these terms are still fairly new to a lot of people. So when we're talking about Smile, Kadia, Unitoy, Taiwan, etc., etc., those are different factories that were all based in Asia. Now, everybody knows PBP, everybody knows Park, you know, Glass Leap, Top Toys, Liddy Letty, etc., etc., etc. Smile, Unitoy, Kadia, and the Taiwan factories. They, it's the same thing. It's just that they all have to be based in Hong Kong or, or in that sort of that, that Southeast Asian area. And so they all got grouped together as, as Kenner. And it's only over the last, say, 10 years that people have started picking at it a bit more and going, actually, it's, you know, there are differences between each one of these factories. So how does that relate to, to Dengar and the rest of the figures? Each factory, the figure they made was a little bit different to the next one. It might be a different paint app. It might be a different um, color in the plastic. It might be a different sculpt. It might be all of these things. But it's just, it's, it's the little differences between each one that make it so that we can't just sort of say Kenner is Kenner, because it's not. And the, there's, an, there's enough variations that we can trace back to carded figures and say, okay, with a high degree of consistency, a figure from, a, a Dengar figure from Unitoy will have a bright yellow face, you know, in this sort of cardback era. And then they'll change to that one there. And that's kind of the nuts and bolts of variant collecting, in my opinion. It's not about expensive, you know, figures that are internationally produced, blah, blah, blah. It's just that figure is different to that figure. And that's it. Come on, let's talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Baby, let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about Should we talk about Ben? So old school, old school figure. Do we like Ben? Just for starters, do we like Ben Kenobi as an action figure? Yes and no. <laughs> All right, go uh, on. He's but as a bearing collector, I'm absolute nightmare because he has two accessories. And two accessories that 
blooming hard to distinguish. Yeah, I was just going to say, it always surprises me that uh, given that he is a first 12 figure, um, there really aren't that many variants, particularly Kenner variants. I mean, if you look at some of the other figures from that time, uh, particularly Vader, but also Leia, um, you get hundreds of different families, um, lots of different variations to collect, whereas Ben really is just the one, two, three families. Yeah, it, it, it seems pretty straightforward, and there's a bit more to it, obviously, once you scratch beneath the surface. The grail in the mix here is the DT Ben. I mean, DT Ben is the hardest of all the double telescoping savers, you know, figures to get. You know, he's harder than Luke. Luke is, is like, common, um, way common. You can sort of log on to Facebook and pick up uh, a double telescoping Luke any day of the week. Vader is much Vader is much harder, and Ben is just a unicorn. That's just there's no other way to put it. The, the saber itself, like the 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 inner saber, is particularly fragile. So they just they just broke. These things disintegrated. It, take, it takes no effort at all, and they go. The early DT Ben, uh, it actually came with a smooth cape. It doesn't have the crosshatch texture that um, you know that my Jawa has and my Leia and Ben, you know Vader do. Uh, it must be Reaper. I'm going to throw it out. Don't stop. Don't do that. Kenner did release smooth capes as well. The Taiwan factory has smooth capes, but so did the Hong Kong factories. Don't throw out your smooth capes. As for the um, the figures themselves, you know, as the boy said, there's only three mold families. One, Unitoy. He was originally with the grey hair, and that came out uh, at the same time as the Kader figure with the white hair. Both of them had lettered sabers to start with, and they moved on to unlettered sabers. Later on in the line, there's the Noku figure, which was made by the Kader China factory. So that was the one that you would find on a Return of the Jedi card or a Power of the Force card. And that's, as I say, with a no-co figure. And yeah, in broad strokes, that's your Ben guide. wanted to recruit and employ the help of the community so we've been actively putting some stuff on social media and none more than the Tantive 11 forum which I know that they are such a great resource of information so I recently put a post on Tantive 11 saying help us out these are the four figures that we're looking at and the guys have not let us down Commander Clint has just posted so much and linked to all the different pages and resources which they've got on Tantive 11. You should really, really check it out. That place, I've never seen anything like it so well laid out. So they have really helped us. So guys, I'm now going to you. Stu, I think we'll start off with yourself. When it looks to Obi-Wan Kenobi, away from the carded figures, what have you got? With regards to Kenobi, Jez, I think from a... a you know, beyond the toys type discussion, Kenobi featured on literally everything. I mean, we can, you can name a, a line and I think we can talk about it, but I think the first thing you need to discuss on that would be the rump mug because they were the first collectibles out. And I think the Kenobi rump mug is an absolute exceptional beyond the toys piece. Yeah. In fact, could be right up there as one of the very best of beyond the toys pieces. Yeah, Mark, what do you know about Rumpf? Oh, I, well, I read an awful lot about it a while back, and I've forgotten most of it. But um, Jim Rumpf was a was a sculptor and um, and made these 
fantastic tankards. And uh, like you say, the, the Ben Kenobi one is is easily my favourite out of the uh, the ones he made. And um, yeah, real real favourite part of my collection actually. I've owned one of those for years. He died tragically young. I think he he was killed in a in a car accident. So he was he was active in the in the in the seventies until the late seventies, I think, um, and then or, or early eighties, and then tragically passed away. Maybe one of you guys knows a bit more than I do about Jim, but um, but that Kenobi mug is, or tankard is absolutely phenomenal. There was three rump mugs for those that aren't aware of them. I'm sure you you might have seen. Yeah. Chewbacca is really Chewbacca and and Kenobi are both like out of this brown kind of material, and then there's a, a real shiny Vader, which to me doesn't really go with the other two. I always find it a real complete different kind of item, but. There was three of them and they were released by California Originals and Jim Rump sculpted them. But I'm aware that the Chewbacca of this range is George Lucas's favourite ever uh, piece of merchandise back in that, that time. So that just tells you how much he liked them. But I'm with you, Mark. The um, Kenobi for me was the best because it's depicted with his hood up, isn't it? And yeah, a little bit of that tiny little bit of hair coming out the top of his hood is... It's brilliant and the beard it's a sculpt, brilliant sculpt so yeah yeah it's a, it's a fantastic sculpt it really does look he's really captured everything in that yeah yeah agree have, have dan and jez not got one of these in their collections <laughs> we all love a live purchase uh on a podcast <laughs> so I've, whilst you've been talking about it i've been viewing the picture because this is one of the first things which was shared on tanto forum of this rump tankard it does look great there are currently four on international ebay i've tried to search by nearest to my location and the nearest one is in the united states and they range from 203 pounds down to 60 pounds but the 203 pound yeah. is brand new with tags and everything Lots. but yeah cheapest is uh, 60 quid with postage but they do they do look great and no i do not have one yet yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be afraid of getting it posted from the states because, it, as far as ceramics go, as long as it's well packaged, I've I've bought a lot of Sigma, and that's fragile. But these things are pretty robust as well. They're yeah. so, they're the, a solid piece of ceramic. And the price wise, I mean, sixty pound was about how much the Ben Kenobi cost me about ten years ago. Right. Um, that was kind of about the price they were, and when they had the box, sometimes they'd be maybe ten, fifteen pound more, and yeah. and unfortunately. Be, because it was a, an American item, they they are largely available from the states. You can get lucky occasionally and pick one up at a show. I mean, I'd expect it to be more around the sort of eighty pound mark at a show in the UK now. But yeah, um, even without the box, maybe if it was in undamaged condition. But sixty posted or sixty with the postage. Sixty plus postage, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love. Now, Sounds when I've right. seen one of these, they've got more images of the rear. So the front is yeah. great. I mean, the detailing of the eyes and the hair is fantastic. And then side profile, you really sort of see the point of the hood. Star Wars 1977, 20th Century Fox film court, Rumpf Caliph original USA underneath. And then it's it's just got May the Force Be With You on the back. There's a lot going on with this mug. That is really impressive. It's certainly my favourite Beyond the Toys item, full stop, that mug. It is, it is a beautiful item. That's a big shout. Yeah, I've never been brave enough to use it. I've never drank from it. I've always just kind of, it's at the top of my stairs 
and um, so I see it every day. While you're on ceramics, okay, can I just bring up yeah. two other things? Because Sigma run from 82 to 83, so not very long. And nearly all of it is Empire-based stuff or Jedi-based stuff. But the one thing they did release from Star Wars was the land speeder. And there is a little tiny Kenobi head sticking out the top of the land speeder, which is um, his only representation in there. And I, I, I mean, I love... And I mean, I really love, I don't know what it is. I mean, you boys have laughed at me before about ceramics, but if I'm just an old person in a young person's body and it's, it's a mighty fine body. But um, <laughs> one of the, I can remember talking about this before, and I like some of the unlicensed stuff as well. And I know that both Ron Salvatore and Chris Riley both have this in their, um, in their collections, but I'm just going to put it into our chat because I do love this piece, and this is, of all of the unlicensed stuff at the moment, this is the piece I'd most like to get. Um, I don't know if you can see <laughs> that. Oh, yeah. I mean, this even, this is such a such a wacky piece of bootleg ceramic. This has even got its own post on the SWCA. Can you describe this, please, for the benefit of our listeners? Because this okay. is very wacky. Okay, so basically, this is an unlicensed ceramic vader and kenobi lamp so vader and kenobi are both holding out their lightsabers they're kind of crossing over kenobi's is blue vader's is red and and they're both in the start i mean kenobi's outfit is amazing isn't it he's got his his brown cape and he's got this beautiful kind of boiler suit underneath with a belt around it i mean he does look swish so they're dueling and it's got some kind of like futuristic computer system behind them or it could be a log burner or a jukebox <laughs> they could have just been having a nice game of uh, you know of, of cards or trivial pursuit or something and they've fallen out and got up but I, I like the movement in the capes they look like they're kind of flowing backwards off them and they're kind of standing this is what makes me think it's a log burner they're kind of like on a the, the base is kind of like uh, bricks or cobblestones or something along that line and so kind of like could be a fire a fire Pit kind of, you know, kind of layout at the bottom, but uh, considering this took place in the um, Death Star, the lightsaber fight, it's not nothing to do with that. But uh, what I love about that the most is that Darth Vader swapped his chest box for uh, a set of binoculars. <laughs> he has, he has. <laughs> Kenobi, Kenobi looks a lot like David Attenborough. I mean, Kenobi's got a roll neck jumper on under his. Uh, Boiler, so he must be sweltering. <laughs> Kenobi, yeah, Attenborough crossed with Papa Lazarou from the League of Gentlemen. He just looks yeah. weird, and it looks like he's got his right foot stuck in cement or something or other. Yeah. I thought it was a jukebox. I can't see any lightsabers. It just looks like they're sort of bumping fists. Ah, have, you, have I posted a photo without the sabers in it? One second. Yeah, one second. yeah. These guys are just doing a fist bump. Bear with me. Okay. There's not many photos of this that, yes, I have. So apologies. Apologies. That one's obviously got where the lights are broken. So oh, right. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, this is quite a different angle on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And different... actually, it's quite interesting. So the two I've posted, you will find, look at look at their heads. They're in slightly They're completely different, different. Uh, positions and the yeah. bases are different. Now, I wonder, so I have got a, um, like a large Darth Vader kind of bust, which is also a lamp. The lightsaber lights up and his eyes light up. But my Vader kit 
on the bottom has two, I think it's, I think it's something like two Chris, have a wonderful Christmas, love, um, love mum and dad, 1977. And when I've done a bit of research on that lamp, that was a kit that you could buy in like, I don't know what, what were around in the 70s, whether there was garden centres in America, but I think they were available in that sort of place. And you took it home and you finished off the design and maybe you painted them because I've seen them right. with a lot of different designs. And I wonder whether this is similar, because if you look at the two photos I've sent you, the the top one, the top of Kenobi's shirt is white, where the bottom one is brown. And the Vader is definitely shinier in the bottom image. The, the base is different. So whether mm. these, the top one has got colour buttons, where's, where's Jez is saying it's a jukebox. I was looking at the bottom picture, where to yeah. me it's more like log burnery. So whether that is of a similar sort of kit, that doesn't say on the SWCA, but it could be of a similar um, a similar like, thing. Like the Plaster of Paris kits you could get, there were licensed where you, and you used to buy at school fates and things where you paint yeah. them yourself. So maybe, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the Vader lamp that I've got, I've seen many, many different types painted differently, but I've not seen one unpainted. So that is the shame in these, but um, I wonder whether that is the same sort of kit. Yeah, that's not the only shame in these. I actually want us to I'm move gonna, on. I'll I think take we need it, to you're on a hunt on. for one of these. Um, <laughs> Let's carry on with these. Why would, you want a, <laughs> why would you want one of these in your life? This is Stu's wanted post. <laughs> yes, Jez, what do you mean, why would you want one of these in your life? It is awful. I can't believe I, that we I spent five like minutes it. talking about this. <laughs> You quite like it, Stu. I've got to say, unbelievable. They're they're two completely different poses now, though, aren't they? That first one, the Papa Lazaro fist bump, that's just weird. And this is just that's my little... that's my favourite. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. Great spot, Stu. Great spot. What else do we have though? Because it's not just about carded figures, DT bands, and then this. What else have we got? As you say, they're everywhere. I think I could read off probably 10 things in my collection, but they're all parts of sets. And if we go too deep into it, we'll have nothing <laughs> to talk about in the next episode. <laughs> but I, I mean, one for me, I mean, you talk about early items and obviously spoken about the mug, but for me was the set of um, fan club badges that came out in the States. There's a really nice image of um, Ben Kenobi on that. That was the set that came with a George Lucas and a, and a Tarkin. They're kind of the rare ones, but I think the, uh, the black and white image of uh, Ben Kenobi is nice on those. I do like those as a set that they look great those badges together and obviously the, the, the helix pencil case that's a bit of a showstopper that one again he's got a yellow lightsaber on that yes mate definitely i'm looking at mine now got my helix pencil case in front of me got it off facebook i don't know a few months ago for about 45 pound and yeah that is lovely yellow lightsaber and also star wars jigsaw in fact Obi-Wan Kenobi is on quite a few jigsaws. I've got one here of him in the land speeder, but another one of him having a duel with Darth Vader just in front of Millennium Falcon. And again, yellow lightsaber. There we go. A series two. Very nice. I mean, you could get into deco party plates and things like that. He's on that fight invader. He's in transfer sets. He's he's all over the place. He's everywhere, isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. I think so, he's even on the on the, the the 77 Burger King glasses. I think there's a tiny little image on on the, one of those mugs or glasses. Mate, he's on he's on so much. I mean, the Adam Joseph comb keepers. Have you ever seen them? 
He's in the yes. landspeeder of that, popping out the top of it. He's got a character bottle for Addis. There's lots of shampoos. One yeah. thing I was always surprised with him on was, so as once Star Wars finished, you didn't really see him on much. If you go through the stuff, there isn't a great deal. But Netherlands did some school labels, um, Empire Strikes Back school labels, six of them. They're quite fascinating. But there's a great image of, so I don't know if you've ever seen these. There's a great big white area where you write your details, you stick it in your school bag or in your clothing. And then they've got a picture around the outside and then they have like a main character down one one edge. And these things, they've got like 2-1-B operating on Luke, obviously on Hoth. And it's just got Kenobi at the front, obviously, because he sees him as a ghost in that scene. It's a bit random when you look at all the other scenes. Let me just see if I can find it. Just whilst you're doing that, have a look at the little image which I've just shared with you. And that is an image of Obi-Wan Kenobi. What stickers are these? These are the, are they the Fascal stickers? Yeah, oh yeah, the Fascal stickers. The Fascal yeah. stickers. Yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi looks like he's, what does he look like he's doing to you? Scratchy his chin, isn't he? Yeah, I, I don't looks know. Like it looked to me like he might have been smoking a crack pipe or something. <laughs> That's why his beard's all yellow. Yeah, I, I don't know, it just... Looks a bit weird. Looked like he was definitely taking a toke. Looked like he I was. Love, I, he's I having a crafty fag and hiding it behind his <laughs> his nicotine stained beard. Yeah, I mean, Craig pointed out his pointy hat. The fact that Obi Wan Kenobi is the only Jedi with uh, you know a pointy hood, pointy hat. You know, people refer to him as, as that crazy old wizard, and he he does hear. In this particular Fasco sticker, it looks like he's almost got some sort of sorting hat on him from Harry Potter. But with his yellow beard, it definitely looks like he's participating in some sort of recreational smoke. Very Gandalf. Yeah. That wizard's just a crazy old man. But tomorrow I want you to take that R2 unit to anchor head and have its memory erased. Stu, have you found what you were looking for? Right, it's up there now. So these... These labels were only available in Australia and the Netherlands. So two real random places. This, this is a Dutch one, but mm-hmm. the whole thing is Empire. If you look through it, like Yoda on Dagobah with the Dagobah picture and that. But that top left one, it's um, it's Luke being operated after being attacked by the Wampa. And it's just got Obi-Wan on it. And you don't really, I know he was there as a ghost, but. Yeah, I've got this sticker set. Yeah. Yeah, have, nice you, have you put it on your work uniform and on your um, on your helicopter helmet? No, <laughs> I have not. It's a very nice sticker set, though. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Thanks for bringing that. Mark, what have you just shared? So you've got, oh, yeah, Skittles and toothbrushes. Yeah, um, the, the Skittles were the um, the bubble baths from Adis. Is it Adis? Um, bubble baths. Yeah, Adis, Adis. Adis, yeah. It's got the whole thing off. And there was the Oral-B toothbrushes as well, which features two of our months uh, characters in Anakin and Ben Kenobi with Yoda there with them as well, the Jedi Master's toothbrush from Oral-B. Um, Do you know what? I've always, when it comes to the Jedi Masters, I've always seen Ben and Obi-Wan, but I hadn't noticed Yoda just down at their waist before. I just always thought, and people have made reference to, oh yeah, Anakin and Ben is the Jedi Masters. Must yeah, look there's a nice poster as well that came with that. I think I saw that in SWCA. There was a poster that you could get in, um, would have been, I'm assuming, in pharmacies, where if you, with the offer that if you bought two toothbrushes, you got the free Jedi Masters one with it. 
Oh, okay, cool. I'll just put that photo of that poster up. Very nice. I love what the Tanto guys have shared with us. There are so many different things. Wonder Bread, trading cards, Canadian match and win contest, the, the bottle tops, so many different cups, so many different stickers. Yeah, you've got the, the rumpf, mini notebooks. As you say, fellas, you know, this is one of those things where as a focus collector, you just, you probably couldn't get it all. Frozen cola cups, loads of Dixie cups. I mean, my word, there's, there is loads. Bookmarks, greetings cards. Yeah, a real Ben Focus collector could uh, really, really get carried away. Yeah. Lunchbox. Oh, the only other thing which I was going to mention is something which uh, Clint has shared. Trading cards. Canadian error card. Ken Kenobi. So this is a Canadian card, number 183. It says Ken Kenobi, brackets Alec Guinness. So yeah, Ken Kenobi, very nice. Perhaps that's his missing brother. I do like that. Ken Kenobi. Want to get one now? It's one of those things with Obi-Wan Kenobi that there is just so many things to go for. But just really grateful for uh, Matt George for talking us through some elements of his collection. For Stu to showing us his uh, his crazy bootleg lamp. And uh, lads for just uh, yeah sharing some of the things which have taken your fancy. There is truly something for everyone with Obi-Wan Kenobi. Bounty Hunters. Dengar, also apparently known as Dengar with the Molisher, was a Karelian human bounty hunter operating since the beginning of the Clone Wars. He wore plated battle armour and a turban to cover his head during his missions, and in the fourth draft of the Empire Strikes Back screenplay, Dengar was described as a battle-scarred human type and was armed with a modified German MG42. Played by Maurice Bush, a British 49-year-old former heavyweight boxer turned actor in The Empire Strikes Back, he also briefly appears in The Return of a Jedi during Solo's rescue from Jabba the Hutt. According to IMDb, Maurice also worked as crew on the first Star Wars film as a stand-in for David Prowse. Dengar also appeared in two episodes of The Clone Wars. This time he was voiced by Simon Pegg, who reprised the role in the Battlefront video game. Dengar's ship was a modified Karelian Engineering Corporation Jumpmaster 5000 called Punishing One. The ship had no holding cell due to the fact that Dengar usually only took in dead bounties. Dengar's impressive longevity led him to continue his work as a bounty hunter even after the Empire was defeated at the Battle of Endor. And according to rumour, in an attempt to live and work forever, he subjected himself to many cybernetic replacements. By the time of the war between the First Order and the Resistance, he was known as Rothgar Deng, and held a reputation for being one of the greatest bounty hunters in the galaxy. Deng was present at the planet Kimjimi, is that how you say it, when it was destroyed, but it's not known if he survived. However, it's known that at least one character we're familiar with from the sequels did escape that genocide. Everyone's favourite droid smith, Babu Frick. Moving on to Dengar. Now this figure came out on the third wave of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, appreciating the fact that the second wave was just Yoda, but it was the third wave nonetheless. So Kenner, Palatoy, starting off on the 41 back. It was uh, Palatoy 45, no 65s, it's strange, and uh, Trilogo. But there were various Kenners, but it wasn't on Power of the Force. Okay, so yeah, a few examples. Got Clipper and Kenner Canada. I haven't seen many other examples outside of just Clipper and Canada. 
So there is something which I discovered last night, which I was reasonably pleased with from a, hmm, very interesting. Now I use Jedi Temple Archives for a lot of information with regards to card backs and, and what's available and what's not. Now according to Jedi Temple Archives, there aren't any 79 back Dengars at all. So they've just got them on 41, 47, 48, Empire Strikes Back, 48, Return of the Jedi, 77, uh, and not the 79. However, according to Star Wars Tracker, there were three 79s all sold in Australia in 2015 and 2016. So, yeah, if there's any Dengar Focus collectors, they might not be aware that a 79 does appear to exist, but for some reason only sold in Australia. Interesting. Alright boys, so how do you feel about Dengar? Is this is this a is this a good figure? Is this not a good figure? Were we uh, as kids were we sort of blessed to have Dengar join our bounty hunter ranks back in the day? How do you feel about it? You look at car prices, especially of the bounty hunters, especially Mr. Fett. Dengar has always been that budget figure. Always been that one to sort of creep into variants. You can pick up the odd variant here and there and not break the bank. Which is always good fun for I, I, the I, budget. In my mind, I always kind of had Dengar marked as like a. He was always value for money, you know. He's he's yeah. a bit he's a bigger boy, and uh, you know. I mean, here we are now, middle aged. It was kind of once upon a time you look at like Bosk and think, oh, he's cool. But I mean, I mean, nowadays I think there's there's probably as as we all get a little bit sort of you know wider around the girth and a bit sort of sluggish, we can kind of relate to Dengar a little bit more. <laughs> as, as, as time goes on <laughs> yeah well hey 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 you know we're all friends here okay Dengar is the figure that got me into variant collecting oh go on quite a romantic little story if you'll uh, bear with me in 2019 in uh, Echo Live well it was the first time I got to meet you Mark that's the first good thing about it I remember uh, Echo Live was absolutely stonking that year in October uh, I remember you picked up quite a few bargains on the uh, toy shop floor always did very boxes. well yep and uh, the thing I remember about that day wasn't really Echo Live so much it was back at the hotel and uh, I came down from my room and I uh, found yourself Stephen Callier and James Woolley all bent over a little LED light, a case of uh, Weekway and a case of Lando Skiff, and uh, you was all uh, playing with your toys, much to the amusement of the staff and also the uh, guests of the hotel. Yeah. Anyway, you said to me at Echo Live, can you help me with uh, the figure focuses series that you were doing? And uh, being uh, stuck on a budget, I thought, well, what can I do? Uh, maybe I can look at Zuckus or Dengar. And Dengar was the first run I completed, and uh, he's the reason that I'm into variant collecting. Well, there you go. There you go. In the figures that Jez has selected, there's actually two unicorns, and Dengar is, is one of them. So it is actually a great figure for variations. So, I mean, should we go through just um, a broad kind of overview of the different factories and just kind of the basics of the Dengar figure? Dengar was produced by all three Hong Kong factories. Hong Kong factories were Smile, Cader, and Unitoy. 
That means there's a two-line coup for you to collect from Smile, three-line coup from Unitoy, and a four-line coup from Kader. I mean, just in a nutshell, you've mentioned the factories. What about some, you know? What about some key variants for the figure? With the, the, the sort of major details, I suppose uh, the differences you'll see are probably the face colours. Smile is very much sort of flesh coloured. Kader again is fairly flesh coloured, slightly lighter, and then you've got your sort of pink to almost degraded yellow faces of Unitoy. And then there's PPP, which is, you've got your cream, there's uh, pink over cream, and then pure pink, which is like the rarest of the rare. It's the unicorn, <laughs> yeah. I mean, of all the figures we'll talk about tonight, the um, it's an underrated one. People in the know, uh, know. But that there, it's probably, I mean, I dare say it's even rarer than your DT Ben, just to put things in perspective. Never seen one in the flesh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they're they're yeah, mega expensive, mega rare, and it's the kind of variant that people would probably turn their nose up at because oh, it's just a little bit of paint that's a bit different. But you know, the fact is, it's it's a hard one to find. So it is just you know, if if you're uh, if if Dengar's your figure or you're uh, into that particular line, it's it's on the wish list, and there's only a handful of people in the world lucky enough to have one. Yeah, and then aside from uh, PVP. Got pop as well. Uh, two pop figures, a three line and a four line coup. Like all pop figures, they're made from a mixture of parts from either the Unitoy or the Kader factory. Um, and what's really cool about it is that it's perfectly possible to find variations where you get two date stamps or two country of origin stamps because you've got mixed up lengths. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Denga, pop Denga is, is famously mixed up. Um, you know, the, the parts when they arrived must have come through sort of simultaneously and they just slap them together in any which way so uh yeah that's a that's a, a, a an infamously mixed up pop figure dengar also a beautiful color yeah she's lovely isn't it i mean what's up with the the custard face unitoy figures <laughs> it's an early um release isn't it and it's it's not just dengar it's like rebel commander rebel soldier han hoff i'm probably yep. missing a few but like it, it looks like he's got, you know, like jaundice or something like that. I mean, the, the poor, he, he doesn't look well at all. Looks good in the collection. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to, 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 uh, to Donald Trump's tanning salon and the two of, uh, <laughs> the two have shared a burger or two and, uh, and, and had a bit of work done. <laughs> I was going to say, on, on the pop figures as well, you, not only do you get the lovely yellow unitory face sometimes, but you also get the... The bright pink hued uh, backpack as well, so you know, yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful figure. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, and um, so I, I guess uh, we've hit all the key points. So accessories. Yeah, it's a nice straightforward one. Um, it's it comes with a one. It just comes with a rifle, half rifle, uh, shared with the snowtrooper. Uh, there are three separate molds per factory, but all are fairly common to get hold of, and um, yeah. All details are on the Variant Villain website. Lovely. Nicely wrapped up. So Dengar, fellas, what else do you know about this rather odd-looking bounty hunter? I've been racking my brains. Yeah. The only thing that I could come up with was the Empire Strikes Back lampshade. I think it's the Scanlight one. Oh yeah, I've got it in front. Of me. And you've got that. Yeah, that's the only. That's the only bit of 
beyond the toys I could come up with for Dengar. I couldn't think of much else. I'm sure there's some Bounty Hunter placemats and bits and pieces like that, but but nothing... Uh, oh, good shit. 3D. The Icarus mm. placemat is quite cool with the four Bounty Hunters on it. I can't remember what yeah. four Bounty Hunters are on it. It's def- but Dengar's in quite a cool pose to the back right looking at it, I think. Yeah. So that's Scanlight lampshade. I love it. Because it also comes with a really, really cool poster of Darth Vader and a couple of Stormtroopers. That generic artwork, that was used on Top's trading cards. I think on the third set of The Empire Strikes Back, they'd used all of those images. And I was racking my brains a while ago. I think they were really familiar. And I was going through my Top's card. I went, well, well, there they are. So it's, it's kind of like this generic imagery that was used across all the different lines. So you've got it on that, that scanlight poster. They're on the Top's cards. And they're also on the, the Metal Box Money Bank. So I think it's one of the only metal ba- metal box items, other than the ones that use the Ralph Macquarie art, that used any kind of artwork other than photographs. Um, so yeah, that's all on on there as well. There's no Dengar on that money box, unfortunately. I did check. That's Dengar. I don't know if there's anything on that. We did the mailbox to death last month, didn't we? So I don't think we yeah. need to talk yeah. about that anymore. No, you're good. It's only really when there's a few bounty hunters, like on the old, um, I think the Cooley Cups and the, what are the other cups? Dixie Cups. I think you'll find Dengar pops up on those. But as a prominent feature, I'm struggling to think too much on Dengar. Mm. Yeah, it's a strange yeah. one. Yeah, I've been looking. I've been looking at my Star Wars Empire Strikes Back read-along book and record. And uh, he's in there with the other bounty hunters. Funnily enough, the actual image which I can see on this has been reversed from the image which is on the card back. So on the card back, you've got as you're facing Dengar, you've got IG-88 just to his left and some sort of weird thing just behind him. But that's all reversed on this long book. That's the only thing mm. there I've found. Just seeing what else the guys from Tantive have found. Clint's been kind enough to share some of his uh, Canadian car bags from his childhood. So we've got some comics. Yeah, Marvel comic groups and now the Bounty Hunters. So, yeah, rather wacky green colouring of Boba Fett and a purple-suited Bosk. But you've got Dengar looking very Dengar-ish on the the left-hand side of that comic. And some uh, serial fold-out pamphlets and some monthly posters. Yeah, you can have a few trading cards, but, yeah, definitely slim pickings on Dengar. You know, that's... mystery. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are still other elements from the toy line. There's the Cloud City playset, which was a Sears exclusive. So that, that's called Dengar with it, which is a, a nice yep. little playset. And what else from a Sears exclusive point of view? So they had the shrink wrapped figures. This is one which, instead of Attack Commander, it was General Veers. So if you remember that, so that's the black packaging with uh, the shrink wrapped figure. Found out something else a little bit weird online as well. It appears that they ran out of hand bespin cards so these are all very very similar black shrink wrap cards but they do have a nameplate there are a few dengar ones or there are a few hand bespin ones rather which have got a hand bespin sticker under the shrink wrap but over some dengar words so what they've been using is they they clearly run out of hand bespin card bags picked up some dengar ones had some sort of homemade um, label, stuck that down over the top, kind of did the job, and then shrink-wrapped it. 
You know, it wasn't brilliant. It wasn't aesthetically smart or anything. But who knew that 40-odd years later, people would still be collecting these things. So, yeah, yeah. there's the original Dengar one, plus a hand best bin. All those information and all those things are available to find on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. But, already mentioned it, so we've had the Hero set, three packs with Obi-Wan Kenobi, and there was the Imperial set, three pack as well, which Dengar featured in. And what I did discover last night is, whilst I said that there was no Power of the Force figure for Dengar, there is a Power of the Force proof card on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Never seen anything oh. like that. Well, sorry. Never seen that image. Never seen a Dengar image on a, uh, on a Power of the Force because they don't exist. But a proof card no. clearly does. That's cool. People were hoping to see Dengar in some of the TV shows, weren't they? They thought that they might see him in Book of Boba Fett or something or other. Mm. I wonder. Perhaps, they, perhaps he's going to crop up in another one. Yeah, I reckon. Because he's in, he's in the Battlefront games with Simon Pegg doing the voice. So he's he's in the family and he's uh, still very much a, a, a current character. That's it, all wrapped up in bandages. So uh, if anyone has anything for our this is what they missed last month section, I welcome it. Well, there wasn't a great deal of Empire stuff anyway, was there really? Not as much as Jedi no. and Star Wars. No, true. So maybe we'll find this as a theme for all of our sort of... But, but, but considering that, that Dengar lurks in the shadows in Jedi, it's quite a surprise that he didn't make it into an edge of a jigsaw or something. Because he was there in Jabba's palace, so... But he's, uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, let's talk about... Klaatu or Woof, the furry skirt-wearing reptilian man played by Michael Stevens, was seen walking across Jabba's throne room in front of the frozen form of Han Solo. Michael got his break in the mid-60s when he worked as a stunt driver and double on the popular TV series The Avengers. He also played another character in Return of the Jedi, Endor Rebel Soldier, and had a deleted scene as Colonel Aaron Kraken manning the top turret of the Millennium Falcon whilst Lando took the controls during their climatic space battle. Far from being a name given to Klaatu in the 1990s, Woof was used by Kenner from the very beginning. The prototype figure had Woof written on the sole of his right foot. It was also used by Kenner Canada in the Wishbook catalogue of 1983. And even General Mills shipping boxes sent to the UK from production in Hong Kong had both the names Woof and Klaatu printed on the side of the box. He was originally intended as the Rancor Keeper. However, on October 30th, 1981, creature designer Phil Tippett received a telex stating that the Rancor Keeper would now be a human and so Woof would no longer need to be articulated to cry. The character's backstory now was he was a former smuggler, now in charge of the fleet of skiffs Jabba kept at his palace, as well as his cell barge. He later travelled on the cell barge to the Great Pit of Carcoon to witness Skywalker, Solo and Chewbacca's execution by the mighty Sarlacc Pit, but he was killed by Skywalker's sabre after the Jedi broke free. And what do we have to talk about this little peg warmer? Klaatu, first wave of Return of a Jedi, 65 back, 77s, 79s, Try logo also available on Canadian cards, obviously the regular Kenner cards, Meccano, beautiful PBP, Secuda, Toll Toys, Leddy, Clipper. So this is a figure which initially you're like, oh, Klaatu. But from a focus collector's point of view, this is absolutely brilliant. If you, if you think yeah. about that range, think about the licenses. And what do we also see fairly common with Klaatu's? Miss cards. You know, so th this is a figure, if you think about it, just all of that, you know, people from a cost point of view, this is on paper, a really, really good focus figure to get into. 
and I found two focus collectors who were quite keen to come on board and tell us all about their love of Klaatu. So I'm delighted to be joined tonight by Paul James and Barry Luton, who I found on the Clatorium Star Wars Klaatu in Skiffguard Memorial and Cocktail Lounge Facebook group. So gents, thank you ever so much for coming on tonight to talk about Klaatu and your support for this incredible Star Wars figure. No problem, no problem. Good to be here. <laughs> right. Well, Barry, first of all, I want to come to you. I've seen in the Facebook group, I've seen that you've got some fantastic images, some really, really good images of your Klaatu army. Now, first of all, I want to know how long have you been collecting Star Wars figures and when and why did you decide to collect Klaatu? Probably started doing the whole getting back into collecting vintage around about 2017. Bought some figures for my son and then got hooked myself as, as always. Nostalgia come back in. Then the collector kicked in and had to get the full run. So I was probably about a year in and I was getting to needing just the really expensive figures last 17 and a couple of the, the expensive uh, weapons. And it was, yeah, I was just, just kind of wanted something to keep, to keep the interest up a little bit. So uh, I saw a few, few people had some kind of really cool, interesting kind of little armies they were pulling together. Um, I thought I just fancy doing that. I was just looking for a figure which I wanted to do an army with. And I just got my first carded, my first ever carded figure, which was a Klaatu. I thought, well, it'd be a pretty good army builder, mainly because he is a little bit cheaper than the others. Exactly. <laughs> different variations of him. And um, yeah, I think the main thing is I've always thought it's cool to have an army that's actually armed. And the micro axe is quite quite an inexpensive <laughs> weapon to arm them with. Uh, you, you you couldn't be having a a hundred strong um, A wing army in reality. So uh, yeah, so probably well three three and a half four years ago I started kind of picking up the tattoos and um, hoovered quite a few of them up and started getting into it. Fantastic. So it is mainly about the army for you then. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an impressive look. It really, really is. And the photos, the, the images which you're capturing are really, really strong. I notice you have gone into the variants as well a little bit. There's a photographs which you put up earlier on about the differences. You've got green face and blue face and grey limbs and tan limbs and grey boots and black boots. And I mean, up until this point, I just thought it was the fluffy skirt and that was it. You know, the leddy variant. But No, it's... um. Obviously, the lady figure is, in my humble opinion, one of the, the coolest lady figures out there. The, the cladu with the, with the big old furry skirt. Damn but there's so. actually four four different versions of the lady cladu. Wow. Flat skirts, bushy skirts, painted belt, leather belt. So the, the ladies are, are pretty impressive on their own. But yeah, when you start getting into the into the cladus proper, all those variants I kind of listed up, they're all proper variants and. As I understand it, any of those variants could be mixed up on any on any figure. So it, it is possible, as I understand it, have over 600 oh, wow. true variants of Klaatu. So I'm not a variant collector. I've got an army which is probably somewhere between 100 and 120 strong at the minute, full, fully kind of fully complete good condition with the weapons. And I've just started kind of, you know, starting to look at them and compare and I'm just starting to look at the just just starting to get a bit more of the variance, but I'm not down the level of some of the guys where they saw you know coups and you know what was on what car back. I'm nowhere near that level yet. And uh, 
I don't think I'll go down that level because with Clark, there's just far too many to go down that road with. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I, your reasoning behind the army, yeah, completely bought into. You, you're absolutely right. It's it, it's a stunning looking army, but as you say, you, you couldn't do that. With, you couldn't have an army of, of Stormtrooper Lukes, could you? Yeah, or, or the A-Wing pilot, as you say. Mate, it looks brilliant. It really, really, really does look good. I'm going to come over to you now, Paul, if, if I may. And so, same question, really. I know that you've been uh, collecting. It, it certainly didn't start off as Clatus. When did you get back into Star Wars collecting, and and why did you decide to go for Clatu? My first collection was given to me by a next door neighbour. I grew up in um, in Bromsgrove, um, and I was given maybe thirty or forty figures by a neighbour. Um, and on the back of that, you know, I had sort of lots of R two, and they're all sort of Return of the Jedi figures at the time. And my first Christmas, I remember actually receiving my own figures for the first time. Uh, it was 1986. All of these were 49 pence sticker label figures. I, I think I got there was a, there was a couple of um, other bigger items. There was an ATST. There was um, a snow speeder. I think that was marked at like two pounds ninety nine or three pounds ninety nine. Very end of the line stuff. And I got about 15 figures that Christmas as well. There was it was um, most of Jabba's goons essentially, all down to 49p. But I got in that bundle. I think it was three Clatoos at the time, just because my mum thought probably maybe they're an army, they can go together like a stormtrooper. But but roll on, sort of, you know, so my, Star Wars come to me, was was handed down to me. I don't think I actually watched the first Star Wars movie until I was maybe nine or ten years old. I was quite old, so this is talking about 89 now. But up until that point, I'd still been sort of gathering stuff and collecting stuff as a young boy up until nine or ten years old. I started sort of stopped collecting, I guess, sort of late junior school, so about that age, nine or ten. But by the time I got to about 13, when I hit senior school, that's when I noticed there started to be a rise in some of the prices. There was there was a local, a guy very local to me, Peter Weeks. Um, he, he's got a huge graded collection now. But he used to sell at the car boot sales. And I was about 13 at the time, and I took my collection to him with intentions to sell it. And he, he picked up on a few of them. I think I had a Paplu, a Lumat, uh, I had a Manaman there, and an A-Wing pilot, I think. And those were the only last 17 I had. He, he sort of threw the rest aside. I said, I'm not interested in them. I don't want the ATST. I don't want the, you know, the Scout Walker. I don't want the mini rigs. They're no good to me. But I'll take these four figures. And he offered me something like eight pounds for them, two pounds each at the time. This is sort of maybe 1992, 1993. And uh, I looked through his store, and he had loads of figures bagged up at the time with the accessories all complete. I think a Darth Vader, a Darth Vader at the time. So anyway, I looked at this stuff. I thought, you know what? I'd never had a Darth Vader. This was at like 13 years old. It was one figure I'd never had. So rather than sell the figures to him, uh, I had what pocket money was in my pocket, two or three pounds, and I bought myself a Darth Vader. And on the back of that, I've just never really stopped collecting. So my break was only really from sort of nine years old until about 13 when I sort of fell in love with it. More of like the an adult side. I wasn't an adult, but sort of started to see. And then back then, there were some different variants you could get into, like a silver and a gold C-3PO. You know, there was the Obi-Wan that we knew about back then, the grey hair and the white hair. And that's how I got back into Star Wars. And for me, it was it was perfect at that time because, you know, everyone in my school had Star Wars and everybody wanted beer money or cider money, merry down cider money for the weekend. 
So I had a fair bit of pocket money coming in the 90s, maybe £20 a week. But Klaatu always had a, a big feature for me at that point because uh, I, I got three that Christmas. I still have my one of the mocks carded from, from when I was a child. Because I got three, I never opened uh, one of them. It was stuffed aside and it remained with me ever since. But the actual focus really didn't come to me until about seven or eight months ago. Um, I was sat around... I just I'd, I'd sold maybe two hundred thousand pounds worth of my collection to buy the restaurant, um, deposit the restaurants to get the bar stock to get staff. You know, lawyers and solicitors—they're all expensive, uh, and it costs a lot of money. And you, you need a year's worth of salary to get the place running. Really, you need to be on top of it. So I sold my, my DT Luke's. I sold my orange-haired Luke's. I sold my entire R2 run at the time. I had quite a collection of, of uh, Luke's and R2s essentially what I sold to buy the restaurant, along with uh, maybe two complete sets that I'd put together, full sets of, uh, of 96, basically. And I was, I was feeling a little bit left out, like, you know, I'm looking at all these great collections on, on the pages and the forums of, of these focuses that are going together. And I knew I had a, a substantial amount of plateau memorabilia kicking around. You know, I had AST5s. I had a couple of mocks kicking about. I had half a dozen figures. I had a Sigma mug. So it was little bits, you know, that I thought, do you know what? This could be the start of something. And like Barry said, initially, this is a cheap focus figure to put together. You can build uh, an army uh, on a fairly limited budget, um, you know, and there are lots of variances from, from even if they're, they're not recognised variants. I mean, you, you look at the ageing of the figures and the degradation and the colour of the limbs go, the way the skirts change colour, um, the way the fluff is worn down, you know, whether the belt itself is a leather belt, whether it's a fur belt, a cloth belt. Um, and there just seems to be so much around it. And there is actually tonnes and tonnes of merchandise out there for Klaatu. So rather than, I mean, army build, I've got about 250 in my cabinet, but... Actually, only about 50 of them are completely armed. There's about 100 with skirts, but there's only about 50 that are completely armed. So I've gone down the route of um, building a collection that's a little bit of everything. There's some Disney in there. I've, I've got some, some Lego figures by Engineerio that I've had custom done. I, I've got stuff like the, the original Cosmos um, from Transformers, or his name was Klaatu, actually, a.k.a. as Cosmos. So he's in there. There's a band called Klaatu, a Canadian band from the late 70s. They were famous for the, the song that was then sold on to um, the Carpenters, Interplanetary Craft. You know, so I've got bits of, of their albums and that sort of stuff in the focus as well. I've got stuff in there from the day the earth stood still. I've got pin badges and flyers and posters. And there's just a whole world of stuff to collect. And, and for me, that's what brought me to Klaatu. And like I say, it was probably only about six or seven months ago that I focused on it. That Yeah, that's how it sort of started for me. Klaatu is now... In fact, I don't think I've bought another Star Wars figure apart from something Klaatu-based for five or six months now. Everything I buy is is solely around Klaatu now. And I've got to say, I've hardly bought anything Klaatu since Paul's been hoovering it all up. <laughs> <laughs> I have picked up some absolutely killer pieces recently, though. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, the John Post mask you see behind me—that that went up on eBay, and these don't come up very often at all. And if they do, they're so degraded, so perished. I mean, they literally fall apart in your hands. 
And this one came up and it's got, it's got um, the guys made a busk for it out of fiberglass. It's got the headpiece garment. It almost looks more like a Nikto, which obviously they're the same species. This one is dressed like a Nikto. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I went to auction that and I think it was a thousand pounds my bid. I thought I'm not letting this one get away from me. I just put a thousand pounds in, crossed my fingers, didn't look at it again. And thankfully, Barry or nobody else did the same thing. Otherwise, we would have well overpaid for it. <laughs> Brilliant. It looks absolutely fa- fantastic. I love what you've done with your your cabinet. Barry, going back to you, your your collection, from a Klaatu focus point of view, is it purely the loose figures or have you got carded ones as well? Oh, I've got... Similar to Paul, I've, I've I've gone wider than just the loose figures. I do have other bits and bobs, but nowhere near on the scale of Paul has managed to grab. So yeah, I've got some bits in from Mexico. I've got, I've I've got Spanish cards, Mexican cards, the tri logo card, which is surprisingly difficult to find for for Clatu. Mm. Yeah, various different kind of backs. I've got some of the slightly more modern stuff. Because one of the more interesting things when I start getting into the focus is realizing that, as I understand it. Clatu, as in the figure I collect with the, the the skirt, and Dave Moore is going to be listening to this, and he cringes every time I say the word skirt. I can hear him shouting, you know, it's a kilt. It's <laughs> a um, kilt <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so Dave will be cringing all the way through this when I've got caught in a skirt. But the skirted Clatu figure, originally, I believe, in the film, was supposed to be the Rancor Keeper. They chose not to have him as a rancor keeper because they didn't want to articulate the mask to cry. So they went to a human. They've then put the skirted Klaatu, which I believe is named Woof, sometimes with two O's, sometimes with three O's. And I believe um, ILM, they kind of named the costumes so they could keep track of which goons were in were in the various you know places in Jabba's palace, etc. And there's always been this debate as to whether Klaatu skirt and Klaatu skiffguard outfit were supposed to be the same character who had changed clothes. But I actually spent some time last night and rewatched the Katana scene in Jedi. Both Klaatu skirt and Klaatu skiffguard are on the Katana. So it appears Kenneth made a mistake. They've incorrectly named Klaatu when they've, orig- when they've released the skirted version. That should have been Woof. So it's clear when you start digging into this stuff, there's quite an interesting backstory with all this stuff as well. There is, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'm 100% with you there. I mean, it's actually very tricky, mainly because of this one mistake of calling Klaatu that we know as Klaatu. I mean, Jez, I sent you some some images earlier of like a, 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 a Kenner shipping box that was sent from, from uh, Cincinnati to Palatoy with the 96 figures in. And actually, it says on it, Klaatu, and, and in brackets, woof. And this is like a 1983 piece. Perhaps when they were making the figure, they didn't realise there was going to be two versions of it, or they weren't going to name it twice, basically. Otherwise, they would have named them. You know, that this has happened with lots of figures. Um, they've named it by the alien race rather than the name of the figure. I mean, you, you take uh, Squidhead, for example, or you take... Um, uh, walrus man, you know, Ponda Ponda or whatever as they call him, that they've used their race name rather than their uh, yeah, real their name. given name. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. you got Tessic. I mean, people debate with me on that. You know, there's, 
it, it's quite hard to get a grasp of because there is, it's, you know, and obviously the Star Wars ex universe is ever expanding and, uh, and, and it's constantly you know, moving along and growing. But I think the first time he was actually, I mean, obviously there's, Cana there's Canadian um, uh, catalogues that call him Woof. Yeah, 1983. What he was listed as, as again, Klaatu in brackets, Woof. But the first time he was actually listed by Lucasfilm. I mean, obviously, industry like Magic, that they, they put him down in his suit. Apparently, it said Woof. That was the, that was his his outfit. But the first real sort of link so we can find him of being called Woof on any sort of sort of pages or media was the trading card game in the 90s. Um, and they did all the characters. Uh, there's a black deck of trading cards, basically. Mm -hmm. um, Star Wars Trading Galaxy. Um, but when you pulled out the Klaatu, for some reason it said woof right across there. And that's the first time that Lucasfilm Limited have actually released him into the general public with that name on him, if you know what I mean. Actually on a card or yeah. on something physical and tangible that you could take home with you. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, one of the ones I've managed to pick up, there was a, a mock-up made um, about a year and a half ago of, uh, of Klaatu on a droids card. Which yeah, is, I love that piece, mate. Completely unofficial. Give me two seconds. I'm yeah. going to get the card and try to see if I can find the guy's name. It's a droids card mock-up. Brilliant. Class, and it's been done by William Cable. Oh, hey. That's it, Bill Cable. Bill Cable's job. Yeah. I've got number 16 of 20. That is great. Do you know what? Woof or Klaatu is one of those ones where if you're going to see a miscarded um, Star Wars figure, you often don't you the the Klaatu skiff on a on a regular Klaatu card and, and vice versa i don't suppose yeah so miss card is is possibly on the uh on the on the hit list for you i don't have a miss card i've looked a couple of times but the last i mean i, I kicked myself um i was offered a really good price miss card probably three years ago but at the time Kind of fifty quid for a Klaatu card was my absolute limit. Yeah, and I was off. I was offered a miss card for, for for really good money off a friend, and I was like, oh, I'm just not paying that for a card because I wasn't into it enough, and I've kicked myself ever since because um, over the last two years, miss cards in general have really shot up in value. It's the same. I'd love I'd love a miss card. Also, love a two pack, which mm -hmm. I don't have. Um, but this is the the nice thing we're collecting. You just never know what's going to crop up when. Um, I'm at quite a nice stage now where. I'm not really looking for much anymore. It's just what it, whatever comes up. If I think it's going to add to the focus, I will. But, you know, I, mainly for me at the moment, it's now all about having the, the boys around. And, you know, we, we do Echo Live. You know, me, me and Paul generally have, have a pint along with a few others. So I've gone away from really chasing all this stuff now to uh, just, just trying to make the most. It's far, it's far more social for me now than it is uh, formal collecting. Yeah, completely. But there's always, always stuff about. There's always, there's always stuff that crops up, and at the moment, Paul's faster on his finger than I am. He's only picking up in front of me because I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not on the forums quite as much as I was. But um, yeah, as soon as he gets bored, I'll start picking his collection off him. Well, that's uh, again. Yeah, it'll be like Walter when he's just sold his Yoda collection. I'll, I'll just list the whole cabinet. Two grand. Come and take it. <laughs> Yeah, one of the nicest ones I've picked up, and it's a bit weird, is apparently this came from Panama in the 80s, and it's just a proper little bootleg, rubberized yeah, figure yeah. of Klaatu. He's a nice... I'll send you some high-res of this one if you want, Jazz. Yeah, you know, great. It's obviously been ripped off the, the, the mold 
back in the day and uh, sold on. Yeah, that's all kind of awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a couple of more colourful bootlegs. The ones I've got are more like painted accurately, but I would like a, a few more sort of brightly coloured purples and blues and, and reds and oranges in there, to be fair, because they've got a sort of wow factor and it brings your eyes into the whole sort of focus as well. Yeah, I'd, lo I'd love a couple of those. Not not that, but all of them. All, all of them. <laughs> I need it all. Everything. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick little look around. This, we've got a modern card. Can you see that? That's a, a woof on the modern card. I think they released in 2011. That particular one is, um, is an offerless one, where I actually have down the bottom here one with an offer, which has got uh, the Boba Fett offer on it. So you've got the tri-logo bits. These stickers, I mean, there's so many great stickers that you can get, the puffy stickers and the flat stickers. But also what I love to have done is commissioned art pieces around the figure. You know, so I've got an incredible piece here by Dan Till. I mean, the, the artwork on that is just phenomenal. And then, you know, you've got Cole Art as well. He's done the caricature down there for me. You know, I, lo I, lo I, lo I love custom artwork. I really do. And they add another level, another texture to the collection, something that nobody else can have. It's not something that you can you can search down and find every day. These are one-off pieces, and they, they won't be replicated. And it, it just evolves the collection, I believe. Brilliant. That that Dan Terrell one in particular with the real fluffy skirts, so that, I mean, to me, with the untrained eye, so that looks like he's painted a leddy one there. Would I be right in it saying that? It is a leddy one. Well, it's a yeah. picture of my leddy, my leddy that I sent him, a close-up picture of my leddy. Uh, I've got a few, I haven't got uh, as many as Barry. I've, I've only got two of the variants down here. Both fluffy. One, One's like soft and fluffy. One's like ruggedy and fluffy. Here's a question for you. What's going on with the garter? Right? When you remove the kilt slash skirt, there's some sort of garter around Woof Klatu's right leg, isn't there? Yeah, I'd like to think that's where he keeps his secret uh, palace blaster. Yeah. Uh, in some images, it's shown stuffed in the front uh, of, it, of, it, of his kilts. Ah, right. okay. um, I mean, if you look at some of the, yeah, the original costume outfits, like I say, with, uh, with Mike Stevens in, he's clearly wearing a palace blaster. He, he doesn't have a vibro axe at all. Um, he's, he's got the palace blaster stuffed in, so I'm assuming it would be something to do with that. Thank God he wasn't released with a Palace Blaster, by the way. <laughs> if he was, I'd be talking about Wiki now. Well, oh, the thing is, if he was released with a Palace Blaster, that's just going to completely destroy the Palace Blaster sort of price hikes because they'd be ten and penny, no, wouldn't well, they? Actually, it probably would have been a good thing, yeah. Yeah. Because we'd have a billion of them unsold. <laughs> so I'm looking at my carded Klaatu here. Now, this one is a 65-back Palatoy but it's clearly done the rounds because it's got an American sticker on it. It's a KB sticker. Um, so right. this was one of the Palatoys which then got shipped out to the States at the end of the run. And it had a 99 cent marked through, marked down price sticker on it. So I've got a couple of Jedi Palatoy carded figures which have got these KB stickers on. I think they're quite nice. Quite a nice little sort of bit of, you know, history about that. You can say, oh yeah, so this one has gone from the UK to America but now back to the UK again. So it's a well-traveled Klaatu, this one. As they should be. I think one of the interesting thing, things I've I've heard regarding Klaatu collecting, though, is um, there seems to be a very small group of people 
who back in the day considered Clatu to be rare. Now, it, it must have just been some distribution point at some somewhere in the country just didn't get them because I think there must be a, a small area of the country that just couldn't get hold of them. And they must have gone everywhere. That's where there was 20 on every peg. <laughs> because, you know, you hear some people saying, oh, I could never get old one. Look, look one in forever as a kid, never get older one. Um, but they always did seem to be the ones which were uh, prevalent on the on the shelves, particularly uh, towards the end of... Um, I've never heard of being called rare. I, I tell myself often, this is the rarest figure ever. That's, that's why I collect it. But it's just not true. <laughs> just not bloody true, old chap. <laughs> But I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was an area that that you know they they didn't receive those crates of of ninety six clatus. Unfortunate poor souls, eh? What what world? What change their life would have been if they had that figure? You know, they they've probably got Luke Stormtroopers as placeholders. Human. <laughs> Human. <laughs> well, gents, it's been great. I've I've learned so much just chatting to you over this sh short period of time. So yeah, at least four different ladies. In fact, that Clatu was called Woof right from the very beginning, and that is catalogs quite literally in the Canadian catalog. It's on the uh, shipping box as well about the variants, about the, the different limb configurations and everything like that. Just the things which are available. Yeah, you guys have been um, blowing my mind with your with your Clatu knowledge and your Clatu collections. 132 members in the Clatorium. And I, I'm hoping that this podcast might be able to boost the number slightly in the Clatorium Facebook group because it definitely deserves more than 132 people in there, particularly with the uh, quality of images uh, and the stuff which you're sharing. It really, really is good. Awesome. So I suppose the main thing is, you know, if we can actually get, you know, Clatu to be the most desirable figure out there in the Star Wars universe... That means I can sell up and uh, and buy a restaurant. Like Paul did. We just sit tight, mate. Just sit tight, don't we? Hey, gents, thank you so much for tonight. It's Brilliant. been Cheers, buddy. Very much. Thanks so much, guys. Catch you soon, Paul. Yeah. Tell Cheers. Bye. Hey Jez, it's Jamie from Variant Villains again. This time we're here to talk about Klaatu. Klaatu is another figure that is massively underrated. He gets a bad rep because it's a minor character in Return of the Jedi, and for some reason Kenno inexplicably decided to make two different figures of it. You might think because he's so cheap that he's a dud from the vintage line, but in my opinion he's an awesome sculpt, and he's very hard to find in mint condition because of its skirt. The first thing to note is that only two Kenner factories made variants of this figure, Smile and Unitoy. However, unlike Dengar, it's pretty much impossible to tell the two figures apart from the coups. What does make Klaatu interesting for variant collectors, though, is the fact that there are two different mould colour variants for the head. Smile decided to produce a figure with head moulded in silver and painted in green, whereas Unitoy decided to mould theirs in green and paint the helmet in silver. Actually, it's worth saying that there are green, bluish-green and greyish-green face variations of the Unitoy figure, with the bluish-green version being a particular favourite of mine. On top of this, the Smile figure had limbs that were moulded in grey, whereas Unitoy limbs were moulded in tan or grey. A lot has been made of Klaatu figures appearing with mixed limbs, leading variant collectors to think that the limbs have been mixed between families. But my own personal belief, based on the knowledge that Smile and Unitoy parts have never been seen to be mixed before, 
is that the unitoy limbs can either be found in both colours or that the unitoy limbs are susceptible to degrading from, from grey to tan. On top of the fact that there are two different mould colour variants, it is worth noting that on Kenner figures there is a thick and a thin skirt variation, which makes this figure all the more interesting and doubles the number of variations to be collected. While at this point it is unclear if both factories started with a fluffy skirt or ran both thick and thin simultaneously, they certainly transitioned to a thin skirt and by late Return of the Jedi era were exclusively producing this figure with the thin skirt iteration. As with Dengar, the Klaatu weapon is both cheap and easy to find. He is paired with the Vibro Axe, and he shares this with Weequay and Lando Skiff. There is very little difference between the Smile and Unitoy variations, save the position of the EPM, and the colour grey of the weapon itself. There is also a Lily Leddy version, which is starker still and can be found without EPMs and with and without the letters A and B on the hilt of the blade. All the information is found on the Variant Villain website. Since we've now touched on it, let's talk foreign variants. POC and PBB did not produce a version of the figure, but Lily Leddy more than made up for it. I think it's fair to say that the Mexican version of this figure is one of the coolest variants out there, and was one of the first figures on my Lily Leddy shopping list. It's pretty much down to the fluffy skirt it comes with, which looks like it's been made with the thickest, finest bantha hair known to man. There are two thick variants, one with a leather waistband and one with a cotton waistband, both appearing on the earlier Lily Leddy cardbacks. There is also a later variation that appears on Kenner Made in Mexico cardbacks with a thin Kenner style skirt with cotton or tacky leather waistband. In addition, the Lily Leddy figure also has a number of subtle differences in paint application when compared to Kenner, most notably glossier blacker boots that help to make it an interesting and rather cool variant to own. And there you have it, Klaatu, he's a mean green fighting machine, and 10 times better than Klaatu Skiff. Thank you for inviting me on to those old fossils, Jez, and I hope this has been both interesting and informative. Great shot, kid, that was one in a million. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. So there you go, Wookiee Scalps, who contacted me on Instagram. I'd love to hear you talk about those wild tan and grey limb combo variations. Well, there you go, covered. I, I think as a, let's just take him as a figure, okay? But I've got one in my hand. I think he is such an underrated figure. I think he gets a bad rap. Because I think when you when you get back into vintage collecting, he was always the cheapest carded figure you could find. And there was obviously a lot of stock around of him. But as a loose figure, he's got a beautiful skirt, but he's actually a really cool figure. I can name you so many more figures that are worse than Klaatu. What about you two? I mean... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you're preaching to the choir. I, I think it's a great figure. Um, it was one of the cheapest. You could pick him up carded in nice condition for about 20, 25 quid when I started getting back into collecting. What I need to do is immediately correct you, Stu, because there's a bit of a debate going on at the moment. Now, just about to get joined any moment now by Mr. Dave Moore, who's got an issue with people calling it a skirt, because according to Mr. Moore, it's a kilt. Let's go over to that chat now. Hello there. Come here, my little friend. So I'm delighted to be joined by another 
Klaatu fan from the Clatorium, Dave Moore. Dave, thank you so much for joining me this evening. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. And uh, thank, thank you for, uh, for having me on to discuss this, this fantastic figure. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. This is phenomenal. It's blowing my mind. I'm loving it. You know, Klaatu was the first carded figure which I purchased when I returned to collecting back in sort of 2009, 2010. It is one of those figures where it is often one of the first carded figures that people buy because it's it's that old classic peg warmer. However, I am surrounded by people who love this character. Tell me about it. Why why do you love Klaatu so much? Uh, well, Klaatu... Uh, um... He was, uh, for me, he was the, the first figure I picked off the peg for myself uh, back in uh, 1983, I suppose. I would have been six years old. My, uh, I, I had other figures. I'd been bought, you know, gifted figures and um, things like that. But the first time I was given my pocket money, went to the shop, picked the figure. Um, I'm guessing the Return of the Jedi line had just come out. I saw him and just, uh, it just, it just looked amazing. Part of I was thinking about this before I spoke to you. Part part was I I used to love V, the old television show, right? Alien. So I think that might have swayed my hand a little bit. <laughs> I'm looking at the oh, he looks like one of the guys from V, but yeah, he was the first figure I picked for myself. And then whenever I got back into collecting, you know, about ten or twelve years ago, he was again the the first uh, the first MOC I bought for myself back. That was actually in Celebration Europe. What was that 2000 and was it 2012? Yes, you had uh, Celebration Europe in Germany. Uh, no, no, the one, the one in London. Um, so the first one in London was 2007, and then it was 2016. That's the one, the one yeah. yeah. I've got your I've got the lovely uh, Vintage Rebellion poster. <laughs> from, oh, from, brilliant. Good times. But yeah, I was, I was strictly a loose collector. Um, basically, same story as so many people. I was just buying a, a loose beater run. Didn't worry if they were complete or anything like that. <laughs> just got, got a bit out of control first MOC I bought myself back um, when I was collecting again was Klaatu. It just brought back all those memories of being in uh, Eason's in the Arch Shopping Centre back home in Northern Ireland and got it. But yeah, just all the all the Jabba's guys. I mean, the, for me personally, the Jabba's palace scene the start Return of the Jedi is peak Star Wars. That is the, the best, the best that's ever been done. Never be matched again. Fantastic. So tell me about your collection, because, you know, from a Klaatu collector's point of view, there's a lot out there. There's a lot you can get. And I, and I know that you're a fan of this. I've seen some of your photos on the Klaatorium. So tell me about it. Yeah, I um, I, I have a, at its peak, I've, I've sold a few off. At its peak, I had 106 um, Klaatu. I love the proper Klaatu, not pajama Klaatu, as people call them. Um, not Klaatu skiff. At 106, basically, I ended up every every time you buy a job lot, there's normally a couple <laughs> sticking about, kicking about in there, and um, and I had a look and went, oh, I've got I've got 12 of these guys now, and it's like put them all out in a nice little row and went, oh, do you know what would look great? There's just a a row of furry kilts and then a row of you know flat kilts, so um, I started with that, and that was a, a rabbit hole. I was. I was I was not not aware of how far the rabbit hole went with regards to variants and things with Klaatu. Not really a a variant collector per se. I've got you know the main ones, but um, yeah, Klaatu kind of got out of hand. At, at the minute, I'm trying to do a a tan limb run, so like 
one left arm, one right arm, <laughs> one left leg, one right leg, left and right arm. Brilliant. Uh, left and right leg. You know, you know, just yeah, it's uh so so much variation in this this one figure. It's uh it's ridiculous. It's brilliant. And I must go back now to your choice of uh, description of the clothing accessory, because this was definitely discussed by Barry in, and <laughs> and Paul with regards to your selection of choice, because you, you differ in opinions, don't you? That they uh, quite clearly said it was a skirt, but without any hesitation whatsoever, you're That's... saying it's a kilt. Yeah, yeah, it's a kilt. I've heard it. Uh, everyone calls it a skirt. I try in the Facebook groups and things. I try to correct them, <laughs> saying it's a kilt. I've heard it called yeah, skirt. The only the only person I've heard call it something different is actually uh, I was listening to a, a podcast with Corey D. Williams. Yeah, right. Um, he he was Klaatu Skiff on mm. the on skiff, and he called it an apron. Right. Which okay. Isn't right either. You know, it's not. It's a it's a kilt. Men wear kilts. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Loving it. So that's your variants. You're going through that. So tell me about other elements of your collection. What What do you have from a Clatu point of view? Well, the, yeah, the other bits, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what happened, whether or not, you know, Kenner thought that Clatu was going to be a major character <laughs> or something like that. But he, he is on an awful lot of uh, of gimcrack, which is a word that's not used enough these days, by the way, Jez. <laughs> so it's been, it's been left by <laughs> gimcrack. Um, but I have, um, I have, oh, let me turn around and have a look. I think what what I had as a child, which also fed the nostalgia and addiction today, was the um, the Fun Factory stickers. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that look like a shield, so... Got a he I had to complete the set of those once I got Klaatu, basically. Um I got the stickers, there's a Swedish trading cards, I have Spanish Spanish stickers with um Jabba Seal Barge and Klaatu sitting beside it. Oh let me let's figure around to get a look here. There's the uh a Debenhams postcard, I have an Odeon Cinemas postcard. I have, and then it's also on the on the lunchbox, which is not not the best artwork in the world, but uh, he's 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 there as well. It's basically a brilliant a copy of that. Oh, going on, what else? Let's let me stand up and see here. Sorry. And then was well, the AST five, the yep. greatest of all the greatest of all the mini rigs. It's three ships in one. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, moving the um, moving the fins on that. It's three different toys. It can stand up. It can fly. It can be like a a bed as well, which is uh, quite handy. And then just um, I also have so again, I have a a Marsha Parkins um, trading card. I got a, I was a Secret Santa from a Facebook group one year. It's quite nice. So she she obviously drew me and drew me a drew me a Klaatu trading card. And then just uh, the other strange thing I have is the the tri logo box for the AST five, where it's got a Klaatu skiff driving the machine <laughs> nice what a brilliant coincidence yeah it's just uh it's, it's quite strange then i did have um i actually sold i sold them on the the paul paul james uh, the ken simmons artwork the one of his prints of Klaatu, just a figure print and then um while i was going through his catalog as i actually quite like this piece he had kind of a step process for the, the artwork of the AST5, where there was no no Photoshop obviously back in the day. So he has a a photo of the 
a photo of the figures, a photo of the of the AST5, um, and basically took those separately and chopped them up and put them together to make the final box image. So I have oh, yeah. like a, uh, a collage of four different images that I use to um, to make the final image that's on the box art as well. So a fair few bits. It's, like I said, most of the it's the size of the army that um, mm. is, is quite it's quite yeah. You know, he's not the most expensive figure out there. So it was quite easy to build up an army quite quickly as well. Well, until until COVID hit and all the prices went crazy. The the only regret I'm going to have from this particular episode, this podcast, is we're going to put Klaatu on the map, and everyone is going to look at it and see these images and go, yes. So actually, I've inadvertently just bumped the price of the Klaatu, and I apologise in advance about that. Could be a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. I also saw, I think you're a fan of the miscard, aren't you? Because it's a relatively, from a common point of view, it's it's a slightly easier to find miscard, isn't it, the old Klaatu? Yeah, it seems to be, um, it seems to be around. I mean, I, I was quite surprised. I was listening to a Vintage Rebellion podcast where they said, you know, the miscard, I, I always assumed the miscards were errors. But being told oh, I was just, they took, oh, this guy looks like this guy. Get them out there, get them on the shelves kind of thing. Yeah, more of an overstock issue than than somebody making a mistake in the factory. But yeah, the card, the miscard is a miscard is nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mention before. Yeah, my my card had run. Yeah, it's not it's not quite complete, but I've got basically I, I had I had the miscard. I I let the miscard go a, a year or two ago to buy a to buy a carded Lily Letty one. Although yeah, although it's on a it's on a Kenner card back, but it's uh, made in Mexico, um, so it, it's it's quite nice. But um, yeah, the uh, the miss the miss card sweet. I, I like it. Something I will be looking out for again <laughs> at some point. But yeah, I mean, the I find that one of the hardest card backs to find I found was the Emperor offer one. I can't remember which number of card back or which letter it is. That was that was really hard to find actually. I, I, I ended up having to get that from the states. Um, right. I think um, it's a, a while ago now. I got that. But um, yeah, I mean the, the card in front. Yeah, I basically I basically just went. I'd like to get a. A couple of different offers, a nice tri logo, yeah, and, and, that, and that emperor one because I'm sure that's the one I bought myself back back in the day. I'm sure I got the emperor one and got him home very quickly, and you know, got the nameplate out to get that emperor figure. I, I love it. I love what you're doing. I love your army building. Keep it going. Keep on putting some photos on the Clatorium, and we're going to encourage everyone to soak it up and celebrate the Clatu. The, the Clatorium is uh, it's one thing with the, the Facebook group. It does have um, Corey D. Williams is in there. Yeah. And so is, uh, oh, his name has gone right out John of my Simkin. head. John Simkin. John Simkin, he's on there as well. Yeah, so the, the two surviving Clatoos uh, <laughs> left left on Earth. They're, they're both members too, so they, they quite like seeing uh, seeing stuff going on. They get tagged quite a bit, I think, in uh, in some of the cool stuff. It's absolutely brilliant. I love the fact that... There's 132 of us and those two people from the original movie um, in there as well, liking it, being tagged, commenting as well. That must yep. be a real buzz. Yeah, that was quite funny. I, uh, Corey, Corey, D, uh, Corey D commented, one of my, I, I got my boy uh, a Klaatu and a Thundercat sword for, for Christmas one year and uh, Corey, D, Corey D commented on it. So say well well done good I think it was good taste and figure or something like that. Brilliant. Outstanding. That that just 
makes all the difference, doesn't it? There's not many Facebook focus groups like that, I don't think. Really, really cool. So good on you to the Clitorium. And uh, I love it. And uh, we'll massively big you up. And, and let's see if we can get those uh, membership up slightly. Because it's, it's just all the cool stuff, as you say. Selling for 25 quid and I'll sell up though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Dave, thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciated you coming on. Really enjoyed chatting with you tonight. And uh, and good luck with the rest of your collecting, mate. Thanks very yep. much. Thank, thank you very much, mate. Thank you. I'll just uh, say I, I like uh, made, made a Forby with you as a name for this section. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. I don't know. Do you know what? We've had so many different comments with regards to what it could be. And it's probably just going to end up being, right, we're going to talk about the four figures. <laughs> so who knows or dares to dream. But appreciate your comment, mate. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank, thank you for uh, for the podcast as well. I mean, I know you, you popped up in the Vintage Rebellion a couple of times recently and the, the Generations to Guy Walker stuff. I enjoyed all your all your episode two um, episodes. They were great. Definitely these old fossils is a, is a highlight. Whatever I hear there's one coming along. I definitely downloaded day one. Oh, fantastic. Bless you. Thanks very much, Dave. Take care, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much. So you might be thinking... How have I suddenly come across so many Clatu collectors? Well, I've discovered the Clatorium. Yes, the Clatorium. The Clatorium, which is a Star Wars Clatu in the Skiffguard Memorial and Cocktail Lounge on Facebook. Private group, 132 members. Do you want to join the Clatorium? Join up, get amongst it. And I tell you now, the photographs which I'm seeing on the Clatorium are impressive from an army builder's point of view from an army point of view these are brilliant and as the guys said it's a brilliant army to build you're not having to worry about palace blasters and other blasters all the expensive blasters these the vibro axes are probably you know more of the cheaper ones to get and uh, when you have a look at the quality intricacies of this figure i'm completely bought in absolutely bought in by by this figure so Stu completely agree with you Mark you're right this Clatu figure it's just the business it's one of those figures you don't realise that you've probably already got a little Clatu focus going on you just have to like look at what around the room a little bit group a few things together and then suddenly you've got a little mini focus going on because I'm looking around my room I've got a Clatu um, Clatu original figure on a Clatu skiff so one of your classic miscards and then I've got the carded figure, and then I've got the multi-packs that he came in. Well, as the skiff guard figure, actually, on the, on that particular multi-pack. But he did come on several of the multi-packs. There was a three-pack SKU71700, which was Clatu, Nikto, and 88. Uh, there was a, another three-pack with Riyis and Weekway, which was the SKU93590. Uh, and he also featured in the seven pack villains SKU 71660, which was Emperor, Klaatu, Nikto, 88, uh, Rankle Keeper, ATSD Driver, and the Emperor of Roar Guard. 
And then there was an eight pack SKU 71440, which had Gamma Ring Guard, Klaatu, Squidhead, Reyes, Viker Scout, Empress Royal Guard, or Emperor's Royal Guard, Bib Fortuna, and Weequay. There was also a four pack mock collector's special offer pack, which um, had the mocks of, um, or mint on cards, Parnhoff, Stormtrooper, Logray, and Klaatu. And all that's without even going into really grail, rare, crazy, obscure things like the German Power of the Force multi-pack from Parker, which um, there was two of those um, that contained Klaatu. The first one was the Desert Sail Skiff with Klaatu and Boba Fett. And the other one was the AST-5 with Bib Fortuna and Klaatu. Lots of bundles yeah. figures with Klaatus. And then there's also those Irish space figure packs. I'm not sure um, if we're counting those, but if we are, there was one of those with Plateau FX7 and 88. So, um, when it yeah. comes to the three pack, the Parker Power of the Force, the German three pack, so mm. yeah, you, you've got the Clatu original, Clatu skiff with the one man sail skiff. I mean, that right there is a Clatu special right, right from the get go. It's absolute business, there's Clatu everywhere. And when you also think yeah. about it, mini rigs, AST5. Right. Look at the packaging of the AST5. That's why you see it now on, on so many Clatu Focus collectors. So they are throwing the AST5 in there, which it just looks awesome anyway. It's a little craft, the way it just sort of you know, stands up there. You've got them lying down like it's in some sort of little spacecraft coffin. It's just a cool-looking ship, and it just goes that was brilliantly. That a cool, cool mini-rig, that one, as well. Yeah, I remember I remember having hours of fun with that one when, that, when I got that toy. But And because he was also staring down at us from the Collector 79 double-sided figure yeah. header. So, um, yeah. yeah, he was he was everywhere, that guy. Yeah, you go on to that, actually. I mean, you just said you're not sure about Beyond the Toys, but actually, he's on a lot of stuff. Klaatu was rolled out in quite a lot of a lot of stuff, actually, more than what I was expecting. I would have expected Dengar to be in a lot more than Klaatu, mm. but actually, you're wrong. From the figures we're talking about tonight, outside of Ben, He's easily the most coveted figure in when it comes to like the extra bits. It, it's um, and that 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 hard sign you're talking about that Clack seventy nine, yeah, it's very very prominent on that, isn't he? Yeah, it's great. I, I really one one regret. I don't have many regrets from collecting if I things that get by me, but I I did look at one of those for sale. Jim had one of those for sale at the NEC years ago, and I was there with my son and my. And my then girlfriend, now wife, and we we looked at it, and it was seven hundred and fifty pounds. And I went, God, look at that, seven hundred and fifty quid. And then about a year later, I was like, oh, I should have bought that. And then now, like fifteen years later, I had a little Google the other day, and there was one that sold. I think Frontier Toys had sold one uh, about a year or so ago, and it was just shy of six thousand dollars. Oh man. <laughs> And that one was damaged. The one that they took, they sold had part of the uh, base of the, the stand was actually torn, and it still went for I think yeah I think it was five nine nine five. So yeah, and it was out of stock obviously because it sold it. But yeah, it's um it's one of them, and it. And the wall. I've got a space, got a space for that as well. Yeah, absolutely, brilliant. I mean, looking at cups, Coca Cola cups, there's all sorts of stuff. Well, Clatu. Very, very nice. Yeah, I think oh, there's some nice. UP, bloody little UP figures as well, isn't there, with Clatter uh, in as well? Yeah, you're right. But 
I, I would also say Ben Cooper, the yeah. costume, uh, a beautiful yeah. costume of Plato, and uh, always um, snapped up pretty quickly when I see them come up. Is that and, the one that's got the Revenge of the Jedi logo on the on the plastic apron that comes with it? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's so on it's the kind of sort of belt buckle, isn't it? Yeah, so it's, it's so it's it fits that focus for a lot of people as well. If, if people are rounding up items with revenge on, it's um, it's a nice tick box for that as well. You don't think we're going to get away with not mentioning ceramics on this, do you? Of <laughs> course. <laughs> cool. Well, see, uh, this this is where it's quite amazing with Sigma. Sigma released just twelve figurines, and they released just twelve character mugs. And so let's take the character mugs. You've got the main characters: your Luke, your Leia, your Hand, your Chewie, Yoda, Vader. And then they've done a Klaatu, which, I mean, that is a strange choice when you've got, got the rest of the line. And the same with the figurines. They've gone the Emperor, Vader, Leia Bouche. You've got your Luke in there. And then they've just done a Klaatu. I mean, he is the most random of all the figurines. When you when you line them all up, they're all main characters. And then Klaatu. And actually, when the figurines and the mugs go, the Klaatu is probably one of the best one or two in each of those lineups. They're brilliant. So, um, yeah, is a uh, featured very strangely in the Sigma line. He had a good agent. <laughs> yeah, I think he must have done. Yeah. He features well, uh, over the place, though, doesn't he? I, th- I think in little bits and pieces. Well, yeah, and out of 96 figures, we've got two Kalatu. So yeah. even, even in the vintage figure line, he was strongly represented. I mean, he got as many as 3PO did. Yeah, more than Vader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, only fair as he's such a cool figure with his, with his kilt stroke, pelt stroke skirt. Well, I've just looked that up, actually. And Steve Sansweet, mm. uh, in both of his books uh, with the figure listings, he refers to it as a loincloth. Do you know what? I think he's right. He, that yeah. is the best description, isn't it? It's not a kilt, is it? A kilt goes all the way down, all the way around. Well, it's more of a sporran. With a sporran on it. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. not right. Yeah. Yeah, I disagree with that person, Mr. Moore. Talking to you. <laughs> well, you won't be welcome in that group now, are you? <laughs> You're not going to be welcome in the Clatorium. What do you Is prefer, right? the, the skiff or the... Um, the oh, original. Ori- there's, there's no competition. Yeah. No, when you look the original, at the original... The original is the better figure. Oh, yeah, absolutely, hands down. The, the photographs which these guys are sharing of their armies... They look brilliant. Close up, they just look so good. The Skiff character just looks like he's in some Andy Pandy pyjamas jump, <laughs> Andy jumpsuit Pandy, thing. <laughs> the, the original one, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of. I'm now probably not welcoming that Facebook group as much. Right, there's one thing which I want to share. The, um, the Waddington's Return of a Jedi Star Wars jigsaw. So yeah, yeah. the Waddington's Return of a Jedi, 150 piece puzzle jigsaw this is the one with luke jedi knight it's very very close to the card art on the uh on the card back with it with his weapon there pointing it's a brilliant image clatu just to the right so whenever i've done this jigsaw puzzle i always start with the clatu there's just a lot more definition i find it easier to start with clatu because the whole left yeah. hand side is quite dark but when you look at the face of clatu it's like he's staring straight at you. He's so following you around the room, the eyes. Yeah, he, he's not looking at Luke. He's not looking at Jabba. He's looking straight at me. Kind of creeping me out yeah, a little bit. 
he's getting his Kodak moment. He knew when the he knew when the onset photographer was there taking that snap. He's like, right, I'm getting front and center on this bad boy. It's a great image. It really, really is. It is. Yeah. There's a isn't he in the other one as well? You know, the more kind of posed um, jigsaw. I think it might be a German one with all the henchmen from Jabba's palace, uh, all there against like a light bluey grey background. Um, it's like more of a photo shoot. It's not an on-set photo, but there's a there's a jigsaw of that. He's missing the, from it, mate. Goons. Is he? Do you t- he practice Joe Watt. That's the first thing I looked up when I thought of Clarto. I thought oh, he'll be in that, and it's not. He's not in it. The only he the must only one taking the photo. There's a few on there that ha- um, aren't named. What well, didn't have figures. The only figured characters on the front of that are Squid, Vivitruna, Reese, and Yakface. The rest of them are all characters that uh, weren't didn't have an action figure. Yeah, I yeah. thought that as well, though, mate. I thought he was pretty sure oh. he was going to be on there. Well, you can add photography to his skills then. <laughs> Clatu, I had no idea a couple of weeks ago when I said, right, let's do Clatu, I had no idea that I'd have this transformation of affection for him. <laughs> yeah. Nice figure. Shouldn't be a peg warmer. No one puts Clatu in the corner. So no Klaatu on a power of force. However, very much like Dengar, Star Wars Collector's Archive, there is a power of the force proof card for Klaatu. Go check it out, you Klaatu focus collectors. You don't see one of these that often. So there we go, guys. Now the final figure. Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker. So... It lasts 17 slash 15, initially released as a mailer, delivered in a little white box. 79 backs with the stickers and then put on all sorts of card backs. Power of the Force is hailed as a very hard to find one. However, it's fairly common on Troy Logo. Well, there we go. So you think that, but fun fact, whilst Power of the Force is hard to find and just the card backs alone can go for several hundred pounds, in the last 10 years, it's been shown that there have been 18 sold on Tracker, from £944 up to 7790 So that's quite a difference in price, 18 sold. However, what appears to be harder to find is a Trilogo 70A with a clipper catalogue on the back. Only seven of those have sold in the last 10 years, from £41 to 223 So yeah... Twice as hard to find as a power of the force, but a fraction of the cost. But obviously, just the little catalogue on the back doesn't have the big sort of hit and wow factor of the power of the force. Hello there. Now I'm delighted that we have joined together with Ron Salvatore from the Star Wars Collector's Archive to give us some more information on Anakin. Hi everyone, this is Ron Salvatore from the Star Wars Collector's Archive, and today I'm going to be talking about the Anakin Skywalker action figure. Is Anakin the most boring figure in the vintage Kenner line? He gets my vote. At least the Rancor Keeper had a Rancor associated with him. That made him kind of interesting. And General Maydine at least had an accessory. By the way, what was that thing that General Maydine came packaged with? A giant rectal thermometer? Maybe it was for the Rancor? 
Anakin, by contrast, had no accessory. I don't think the figure's hands could even hold one. And he basically looked like an insurance salesman in pajamas. Not that inspiring. Of course, in one of the best scenes in Return of the Jedi, we saw Luke remove Darth Vader's helmet, revealing underneath the face of Sebastian Shaw's Anakin. But it will be quite a few years before an action figure based on that scene was released. Kenner's Anakin wasn't the mysterious injured warrior beneath the Sith Lord's mask. Rather, it was the ghost version seen at the movie's end. Basically, just an old guy who smiled. Come to think of it, that scene isn't even in the movie now, which I guess means that Kenner's action figure is non-canonical. Or maybe that's the wrong characterization. Maybe he's now an EU figure? I should really consult Wikipedia. As most collectors know, Anakin was first released as a mail-away figure. Beginning in the fall of 1984, the offer was printed on 79 back action figure blister cards. Other card backs featured a stickered offer. Armed with five action figure proof of purchase seals, kids could send away for their very own retiree in a bathrobe. Though originally intended to run through June of 1985, the offer as it was advertised ran through May 30th of that same year. The ad copy read, Anakin Skywalker, swayed by the dark side of the force, saved by the love of his son, Luke, New Anakin Skywalker, not available in any store at this time. Of course, by late 1984, everyone had seen Return of the Jedi. They knew about the part with Luke's father. So, basic descriptions aside, the exclusivity was the main draw. Kids who were focused on collecting them all needed Anakin Skywalker, which means they needed to mail away for him. The offer was also promoted via a shelf talker, basically a small piece of signage designed to affix to the face of a store shelf. It included tear-off order forms intended to be filled out and mail away with the proofs of purchase. Though Kenner released quite a few shelf talkers in support of their Star Wars line, I think it's safe to say that the Anakin version is by far the rarest. Even rarer is the version with two pads of order forms. I think only one of these is known to exist, an example that at one time resided in the collection of the late John Kellerman. As far as I know, the Anakin shelf talker is the only one to exist in two starkly different formats. Both shelf talkers featured the artwork that would eventually adorn the figure's blister card. By the way, the airbrushed photo art for that image still exists, having been saved by former Kenner employee Tom Nyheisel. Of all the images decorating cardbacks in the vintage Kenner movie line, it, along with maybe Walrus Man, is the one that is the least photographic. It appears to be entirely painted. On the original photo art, one can actually see the forest in the background of the image, a detail not very visible on the blister card. As far as I know, no elements of the original sculpt for the Anakin action figure have surfaced. That's true of maybe 10% of the original sculpts. They just weren't saved or haven't been found. Here's hoping that someday it turns up. Hard copies of the figure do exist, however. A hard copy is a model of the final product, typically made of urethane that has been poured out of a silicon mold taken from the original sculpt. They're about as close as you can get to the sculpt without actually having the sculpt. In Kenner's 1984 Go for the Gold catalog, intended for retailers, what appears to be a hard copy of the Anakin figure is pictured, and its robes are noticeably darker in color than those of the figure that was eventually released. In fact, there appears to have been some confusion on the part of Kenner as to how dark the figure's robes were supposed to be. We know this because first shots in this darker charcoal color also exist. They've even been found on carded samples and engineering pilots, the latter consisting of an Anakin first shot sealed to an 88 card. Oddly, at least one painted hard copy exists featuring robes in the lighter color, which indicates the tight timeline we're dealing with. 
In the production process, hard copies are earlier than first shots, so the existence of a lighter hard copy alongside dark first shots is a bit surprising. The change may have been the result of a simple mistake on Kenner's part or a demand by Lucasfilm. Maybe the lighter color was intended to differentiate Anakin from the far more sinister Emperor? I suppose that's possible. Anakin was actually the second figure wearing Jedi robes on which Kenner had worked during the Return of the Jedi era. The first was the infamous Luke in robes figure, which was abandoned during the hard copy stage of production and never released. This figure, which depicted Luke wearing Jedi robes very similar to Anakin's, is actually the original version of the Luke Jedi figure. Yup, at the time it was created, Kenner believed Luke would wear Jedi robes in the movie rather than whatever that weird black getup was. The figure looks so similar to Anakin that, when hard copy pieces of it first surfaced, it was believed to represent an alternate sculpt of Anakin. It took collectors years to figure out that it was actually the original version of Luke Jedi. Today, only a few examples of the Luke and Robes figure exist, most of them incomplete. These days, the Malaway version of Anakin is pretty plentiful, though, as one of the later figures, it's somewhat rarer than your typical vintage Star Wars action figure. It's the power of the force carded version that is rare. It's one of the grails of the hobby and always has been. I can't remember a time when it wasn't quite expensive. The version released in Europe on a tri-lego card is much more plentiful. It's the version most carded figure collectors end up with because it's more affordable. Well, that's about all I have on Anakin. That's quite a lot of words devoted to a figure that's so boring. Take care guys and have a great summer. Great shot, kid. That was one in a million. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Anakin Skywalker. Oh, this is a hardball. We're sort of we're a bit of a loss here. I mean, Anakin. I can count them all on one finger. Yeah, Anakin is he's a very he's a power of the force era figure. That stage of the whole production, you know, of the Star Wars line, things were scaled down, and on top of that. Um, the the methods they use were probably much more efficient, so they could get a lot more figures out of a single factory. And Anakin indeed did come from a single factory, so he comes from the Smile Factory in Hong Kong. So as a result, because he's so late in the whole line, there was never time for paint variations, plastic variations to evolve. So you know, Anakin is a very very simple, dull, and quite frankly, uninteresting figure. He doesn't even come with an accessory. I don't even, I don't even know why he exists. Quite frankly, I think there's other characters I'd rather see have seen made back in the day. I have no recollection of Anakin as a child, but uh, what can I say, boys? How do you feel about Anakin Skywalker, the figure? Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> you can. We've got, we've got some bird song if if, if we need to. Yeah. I'm just amazed, Mark, that you managed to talk for two minutes about him. <laughs> So what you're saying is I've 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 hit all the points and we've hit we've, we've come to a crashing dead end on Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean there's there's no sort of focus selectors of Anakin Skywalker and that's not an accident. 
you know, Anakin, Anakin, we love you. It's not an ages thing, bro. We just, it's just from a very point of view, you just ain't cutting it. So I think that's about all we've got to say on Anakin Skywalker. With that said, that is our contribution to this episode, Jez. So, um, you know, on behalf of us all, I'd like to say thank you very much for having us on. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jez. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, you know, provided we don't get cancelled for something or another, we've said along the way. Um, you know, we hope to uh, we hope to be able to contribute something else uh, on the next episode that you that you do, whatever it might be. All right, mate. Okay, thanks a lot, Jez. No. Go, my son. Leave me. No, you're coming with me. I'll not leave you here. I've got to save you. You already have, Luke. You were right. You were right about me. Tell your sister. You were right. Father. I won't leave you. Absolutely brilliant. Variant villains, you guys are welcome back every time. Thank you so much. You want to talk about Anakin's you want to talk about Anakin's weapons or accessories? He hasn't got any. And if you put unless you buy a power of the fools version and uh yeah, spend a lot of cash on that and I can't imagine you'd be opening it up if you did. There was a coin with that, so that's as close as Anakin came to have an accessory. Indeed. What did I have on the coin? I had something on the coin. It said, that's right, on the coin, father of Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia, one-time Jedi Knight and pupil of Ben Kenobi. There you go. What else have you found, fellas? Not a lot. All right. Well, not a lot from me. We've already talked about the coin and the um, toothbrush. Outside of that, it's pretty slim pickings because who's going to buy something with just a force ghost of a bald old bloke? <laughs> but what I loved about this, I had a Beta Vader card, which was definitely doing the rounds. I think there was quite a few people on Star Wars Forum UK who had this card and then sold it on because it, it was in quite rough shape. But it was a carded Vader but over the face of Vader had been placed a uh, Anakin Skywalker sticker for the mail away. Oh, okay. I, I loved that. Just thinking about that now, I wish I hadn't sold it. It's just one of those things. You know, Anakin being Vader, I was just, yeah, brilliant. So well done. But there was one other thing with, so what do we have earlier on? Obi-Wan Kenobi was what, Ken Kenobi. Mm. Well, again, there's been a, a bit of a, well, that was just a mistake. This time it's a mis mistype. So the preliminary coin art, I found this out on Star Wars Collector's Archive. So there was a sketch for the Anakin Skywalker coin features a design that's virtually identical to the one which was eventually used. However, it says it should be noted that the drawing misspells the character's name, Aniken, A-N-I-K-E-N. So the original sort of sketch artwork for the coin, Aniken. So definitely something going on with Ken. In, in the Star Wars line. So apart from that, what else did I have? So there's the um, 
Irish three packs, which were a sort of hybrid of licensed Star Wars stuff, but on unlicensed bootleg packaging. So mm. they had Hammerhead, Han Solo, and Anakin. So I found that. And yeah, the toothbrush. And what else was there? What other thing to do with Anakin, I guess? It's um, one of only three Star Wars figures to have original artwork used as a character photo. So the other ones being Warrus Man and then Boba Fett, who later had a movie photo used on, on the later Return of the Jedi cards. But if you think about it, that's original artwork for them. Everything else was, um, you know, stills from the film or what have you. Mm. So what else have I found? Not a great deal beyond the toys from my find so far, but I have found some pre-production stuff, which I thought was pretty cool. A sample card, which... Um, again, shows square bottom corners, so you can see that this was a, a proof card, this sort of sample mock-up card. The bubble has come away from it, but the coin is still attached. Now, if you think about Power of the Force now, how are Power of the Force bubbles attached with the coin? Well, it's all it's all in one, whereas this one, which they which they showed, was a separate coin cover. Oh, okay. So, um, so it just shows the sort of packaging um, iterations of what they were coming up with just to try and get their final sort of power of the force thing. So, yeah, there is an Anakin uh, cool piece, which has still got the coin attached, uh, but nothing else. So, yeah, there we go. Power of the force card. Hard to find. Only 18 in the last 10 years, apparently. But yeah, Clipper one. Definitely one to look out for. It's a story of redemption, though. Yeah. It had a happy ending. And it's nice. We, you know, we he killed all those with... kids. <laughs> say, he, he, he killed all those kids, massacred all those innocents, and in the end, um, he just got to hang out, and they were all friends again. So, it, that's true. Yeah, all's fair in love and Star Wars. Yeah, Jess, can I finish on something on anything? You, you can. It, it Have you got a joke? I think you'll like this one because I haven't said <laughs> one for quite a while now. No, I'm waiting for it. What do you call a nervous Anakin? Panakin Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh Stuart thank you so much oh you wore us down you wore us down and I love it we started off with Ben Kenobi and one of those things was his toothbrush we can finish with Anakin sharing the same toothbrush like two brothers there you go Anakin and Ben together with the Jedi Masters and little Yoda who I've only just noticed <laughs> further down from the two of them so there we go that's our four figures Good times. I've been waiting for you all the while. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, Darth. Guys, thank you for working with me. Dan, Mark, Stu, legends, and all of those who have assisted tonight. This has been our first Fog Figure Focus. What we've missed. What have we got wrong? What obvious beyond the toys things have we dropped? Please let us know and we will include you in next month's podcast. Brother Kenner's Star Wars action figures. So the first one, which we're going to be talking about next month, is Warus Man. Love that figure. Thought you were so rare when I was growing up. Just couldn't get hold of a Warus Man anywhere. From Warus Man... We're going to have Rebel Soldier Hoth. The third figure 
is going to be Biker Scout. Yes, how cool, Biker Scout. And the fourth, the final figure, which we're going to be discussing next month, is R2-D2 with a pop-up saber. Lads, what are your thoughts on that? A, ni- a nice mix of figures there. Nice mix. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a bit of a vibe at the moment for R2-D2 pop-up. He's a real popular one. Often one of the last ones which people buy, you know, there's a, there's a big sort of, big fan base about the R2-D2 with pop-up saber. And Biker Scout, I just think, is just really, really cool. And I do know that there's a lot of love for the Rebel Soldier, Hoth. Yeah, definitely a nice mix. The R2 one will be tough, I suppose. If you like these last 17 are in terms of finding stuff out, because obviously they only came on one car back for the most part. But I think we'll probably have to do a bit of a deep dive into the prices over that. Maybe look at what it was 10 years ago to what they are now and try and get our heads around some of that. <laughs> I yeah. know we won't, but it's nice to debate, isn't it? I mean, I'm not going to blow my load, but with regards to card backs, you're not quite right, are you, on that one? There's definitely more than one. Uh, you've got a tri-logo and a power of the force. That's about it, isn't it? Or I missed something out. What else have you got, fellas? Oh, droids. Droids. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're getting carried away now, aren't you? Who knows <laughs> or dares to dream? All right, so, yeah, that's what we're going to be looking at next month. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be mint. So, Dan, something else which is going on at the moment. Give a quick shout out, if you don't mind, to the modern way. You know, we all started, came together because of our love of vintage collecting. And I've just seen it over the last couple of years that more and more vintage collectors are also dabbling with modern. Some of whom started dabbling after listening to the modern way. Give your show a bit of a push, mate. So, yeah, we've just released the 18th episode. And we've actually had someone who's, you know, in the vintage world is extraordinarily world load, certainly in the UK. Dave Trees come on um, and, he, and he helped co-host that show and gave us his thoughts on, on, on some of the things that Hasbro and Lego are doing at the moment. Um, told us a bit about more about what goes on in the background, what it is like working as an independent toy, re- toy retailer and, and the challenges around that. And yeah, it was, you know, we cover all sorts of stuff. So we, we talk a lot about hot toys, geeky tikis, the Hasbro ranges, Lego, and anything else new that's coming out. So if some of the uh, the vintage prices have, have dampened your enthusiasm for Star Wars, maybe uh, take a listen to us over on the modern way and you might, you might start buying some modern. Awesome. Nice one, mate. That was perfect. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Oh, you have seen how the community have come together this month. It's been fantastic with Matt George, Ron Salvatore, Paul James, Barry Luton, Dave Moore, Mark Andrews, Jamie Acott, Will Mellish and Mark, Mark Hockley, legend. Guys, thank you so much, nine of you coming on the show to talk to us about these figures. Absolutely outstanding. So, putting it out there, who wants to come on the next month's show? Who wants to talk about our new figures? Warus Man, Hoth Rebel Soldier, Biker Scout, and R2-D2 with a pop-up saber. I'm sure there's people out there who know all sorts. Come on, let's get stuck in. Go for help, go! Great, come on. You can contact us at generationskywalker at gmail.com. We are all over social media. 
just search Generation Skywalker. If you want a slightly more interactive experience on Facebook, head to We Are Generation Skywalker, where we've got a lot more interactive stuff going on. Instagram is Generation Skywalker, as is Twitter. YouTube for all of our unboxings, Skywalker Blast, etc. Subscribe to the channel. And we also have our new channels, which are going really well on Instagram. Gen underscore Skywalker underscore Vintage. And Dan's new one, Gen underscore Skywalker underscore Modern. And Stu, how's the TikTok going on? Yeah, all good, mate. Um, yeah, growing. Just search for Generation Skywalker. Come and join the uh, the Cool Kids Revolution. Hey, it's 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 good fun. Indeed. Enjoying it, working it out. So it's goodbye from Dan. Bye bye. It's goodbye from Stu. See you next time. It's goodbye on this occasion from Mark. Night, guys. And it's goodbye from me. We are Generation Skywalker. All eras, all passions. All Star Wars. Thank you.